0: 11. Friends don't like. Stop it! You're freaking her out! He's freaking me out! The upside down. Do you understand what he's talking about? No. I'm
1: not
2: a the body!
1: Oh god, please tell me it's not the kid.
2: I need him to hide!
1: Mornings are for coffee and contemplation.
2: Holy shit.
3: Welcome back. My name is Chris. I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. And this is Streaming Things, the number one Stranger Things podcast in the world. Numero uno. Auf dem Wald. If you're not first, you're last. That's true. Mm -hmm. That's what we learned from our dads. Oh, man, they're second third nope. no even fifth <laughs> i was high when i said that uh we really appreciate all you folks that have uh lifted us up to this level and joined us on this journey we love talking about this shit we would be doing it uh to an empty room in fact we did that for many years and so it's so great that you guys are joining us now it makes the conversation so much more robust and so much more fun you know is great what Andy's
4: here <laughs> hey
3: guys i'm back yeah mailbag yes who's deux. back Back again, Andy. Andy's,
4: Andy's back. back. Andy reading mail with the real Andy. Yes, <laughs> he's back. Yes, he's back.
3: So this is going to be the better mailbag version. Nothing to do with the quality of emails we got last time, but simply for the fact that Andy's here. And so when someone mentions Heath bars, he can feel vindicated. Oh, God. Yes, please. Mm -hmm. There was was so many Heath bar love last week that you missed out, Andy. Mm
1: It's a shame. And I'm getting them in the mail. It's wonderful. Thank you for sending them my way. They're sending you
3: Heath bars? No, but I wouldn't eat those. They are safe. (laughs) Thank you for the anthrax. I appreciate it. Somebody that doesn't like you knows how to get you now. Just wrap it up in a Heath bar, baby. uh, I'm just. We need a PO box. It would be chock full of Heath bars, chocolate full. It was <laughs> right there, Andy. <laughs> I missed it. <laughs> uh, we got a deluge, if you will, of emails. So many, and I want you guys to know, we try. If we don't respond to it, like re- if we don't read it on air, we try to uh, write a response to it. Uh, but there are a literal hundreds of emails, mm-hmm. uh, which we love. Do not stop. Um, but it might get to a point where we don't respond, but I want you to know, I hope it doesn't get to that point, but we read every single one, mm-hmm. 100%, uh, most of us multiple times. Uh, so just be aware of that going in. If you're writing something to us, uh, be aware that we're reading it. Just know, don't be putting like, you know, all kinds of mean stuff in the middle. Cause you don't think we're reading. We are Keep sending in movies that you'd like us to break down and deep dive into. I've got a Twitter poll right now on our Twitter at StreamThingPod uh, talking about a thread of of things that we can cover very soon. Um, so follow us on Twitter at StreamThingPod uh, to join that conversation and continue emailing us at, uh, oh wait, that's not, it's not an at thing. It's uh, StreamThingPod. That's the, twi- that's the Twitter. Oh, that is, that's the Twitter. Well,
4: you said at, and if I you just woulda, went there. If you want to email us, it's streamingthingspod at gmail.com. If you were to follow the show
3: on Twitter, it is at streamthingpod. streamingthingspod at gmail.com. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was fucking classic sorry, Andy zoning you, out. You said
1: the at, and I just went with it. I was like, what comes after at? At
3: streamthingpod. No, pod. you're right. You're right. I knew what was up. It's just funny. I was halfway there. It's like, follow us on Twitter at stream thing pod right in. If you want to email us to at wait, no. And Andy went straight
2: with please,
3: <laughs> That's my guy. Guys, I'm tired. We I'm all are, so and, but in a good way, like it's, 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 it's been wonderful. This experience and uh, so just to get touchy feely with you guys for a second. It's just, it warms my heart. Honestly, this has been my dream, all of us for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Andy and I have talked about it before we met Steve six or seven years ago, but Andy and I have had countless failed projects. So many. <laughs> uh, and uh, this podcast itself went to only a few hundred people for for years. A few hundred really loyal, awesome people that yeah. kept us alive. The best no, So thank you to them. I mean, I literally consider a few dozen of them to be close friends of mine at this point. Um, like Carmelita and Enza. I mean, they've supported us through iterations where this wasn't literally even forever. called streaming things, yeah. you know? Um, so that just, that's, wow. What, what people I tweeted last night. It was like three in the morning. I was just feeling all good about everything, and just like you know, guys, don't get bummed out because there are people out there that want you to succeed. Keep trying. You know what I mean? Because Mm -hmm. that's where my head was at, just thinking about because there's a just endless haters, right? But. There's so many people that have just cheered us on too. So yeah. uh, we really appreciate that. Thank you. And if you can't support us in, in a financial way, that's totally understandable. I myself can't support many uh, other creators that way because I've got a, I'm have got going to have a daughter in a couple of weeks. I'm freaking out, mm. by the way. It's it's going to happen soon. <laughs> Any minute now. We can literally be recording and Chris will get the call. Like, I got to yes. go. There's a baby coming. These three centimeters dilated, whatever that yeah. means. I'm freaking out. That's a good thing. Yeah, something to do with a ruler. Uh, but you, you can also just <laughs> keep emailing, rate and review the podcast if you haven't done that yet. That helps a ton. And spread the word, you know, tweet, tag people, uh, tell people about the show if you if you like it. Those things help or just a write lot. In. We got a ton more emails uh, curated for your pleasure, not ribbed, curated for this podcast. We're going to be doing another mailbag, talking a lot about maybe some potential season five predictions, maybe our overall thoughts on season four. You guys have a ton of great ideas and theories coming in constantly. All the time. So that's what you can look forward to on this episode. I don't think I have any other business except to say, of course, once again, we do have a Patreon, which you can go to patreon.com slash streaming things and check it out at any time. Perhaps subscribe at a variety of tiers and get some extra benefits and bonuses. But before we get into the mailbag, real quick, everybody's favorite segment, the Mad Libs section. Steve, take it away. Do your thing. All right, gentlemen, this week, the Mad Libs is titled Sister, Sister. You have a twin sister. You should just drop reading this Mad Lib halfway through, like the Duffers did.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Nice. Are you guys ready to help me put the pen to the paper to make this story? I am. So
1: ready. All right.
4: Right out of the gate, guys, I need something we don't necessarily get asked of a lot, and that is I need a vehicle. Mm, Lime scooter. Oh, a lime scooter. Okay.
3: Specifically, a lime scooter. Yeah, one you don't own. You rented that for like an hour
4: you need to download that app first they're dangerous as fuck but they're so fun and they and they you know trash the streets yeah (laughs) i need a noun trash number 14.2
3: decimals Mm.
4: color magenta plural noun apricots adjective musty verb bless part of
1: the body femur
4: <laughs> Rhymes with something. Lemur. An animal. Lemur. <laughs> Holy shit. Plural noun. Catacombs. Another plural noun. Floppy disks. Occupation plural. Pharmacists. Verb. Tease. Verb ending in ing. Coagulating. Adjective. Tarnished. Noun. Universe. Verb. Blather. i rewrite that because I will... N- <laughs> 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 and last but not least, I need an adjective. Confusing. So stay tuned to the end of the episode so you can see the story, Sister, written by these two J-bros. I
1: just want to say it's fun having studied English with you for so long that we get to flex a little
3: bit. And uh, come up with some some good words. Sometimes not even flex. It's yeah. just embarrass ourselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's like oh no, we did study English. Why can't we think? What what is an adverb? We are longtime lovers of words, so I really appreciate your Mad Lib idea, Steve. Thank you. All right, let's jump right into this mailbag and see what our listeners are thinking and thoughting. Meet meet mailbag. The Mail's first here. email comes in from Mary from Tennessee. Hi, Mary. Mary writes, "What's up, my dudes?" First off, I have to do the whole, I'm such a huge fan of your show thing. So here it goes. I am such a huge fan of your show. What? I, I started I'm listening for season four and immediately cringed when I heard three white men's voices. Yikes. But I'm so <laughs> glad I carried on. This show is truly so fun, creative, smart, and inclusive. Thank you. And I hope you guys can keep doing this for a long time. Thank you. Annie Huzzle. There it is. She- she writes, <laughs> On to the theory. Oh, she wrote that. Yeah. Ooh. I know we have all heard that there will be a time jump between seasons four and five. I also know that we are all confused on how this will work, given that season four ended in literal mass destruction for Hawkins. But what if the time jump occurs not forward but backwards? Oh, shit. What if the time actually jumps to the past? When we first see Henry use his powers as a child, he turns the clock in his house backward with his mind. Nancy, a badass leader girl this season, saw him do this. What if, in order to defeat him, the gang has to go back in time to, to prevent him from becoming evil, from 11 opening the gate, or something wacko like that? And what if they have to use Mr. Suspicious Guidance Counselor? Or I'm sorry, Miss Suspicious Guidance Counselor, who was made out to look super suspicious and then we literally never see her again. And her key necklace to use in the keyhole and the Creel Clock in the Upside Down to wind it backwards. If she is working for Vecna or has some sort of connection with him, maybe the key that she keeps safely around her neck has something to do with him and could affect him. I'm literally writing this at work right now. So obviously this is the place that my mind is going. Excited to hear your thoughts. Thank you, Mary. Uh, first off real quick, great ideas, but I'm so glad that you brought up that we are, uh, three white dudes because we are very conscious of that ourselves. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, we are all the friends that love the stranger of the things. So we want to do the podcast. So what do we do? Um, so I appreciate that. We're always trying to find other people to bring onto the show, uh,
4: that, you know, is diverse and not just three white dudes. Yeah, we, we try. We best. love other perspectives,
3: <laughs> which is part of the reason we love the emails so much. Because yeah. we do not only make a point of it, but crave other viewpoints to, uh, you know, broaden our own. Um, but we can't escape the fact that we are who we are. And we're sure. very aware of that. And we just do the best. We do the show
1: because we're friends, first and foremost, not like because we had a collective love of just stranger things were like, mm-hmm. Hey, we have a lot of fun when we nerd out about things. Also, we love stranger things. Let's go from there.
3: Yeah. I mean the shows inception started with us hanging out, making short films and writing feature films together and playing music and talking about other movies and TV shows. And we had other podcasts and each of us had other podcasts. And then we were watching stranger things one day and we looked around and like, Holy shit. <laughs> Let's do a stranger things podcast and we'll call it streaming things, which is vague enough that we can branch it off to other things. Genius. Cause it's just called things. That was your call. And it was genius. And it's still to this day. But so thank you for, for saying that. man. Also genius. The flashback idea there, there's a time jump, but what if the time jump is backwards? I'm torn on this because there's two things that I hate about. If that's where they go with the plot, right? That's literally the plot of Endgame, game, which is tough. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure other better movies. And also, <laughs> and also, uh, we have this issue currently where the actors are aged out of their present ages. So, which is why I was excited for a time jump forward. So, how that would be so weird if they went back? Like, how would they do that? They use that weird eleven
1: CGI on everybody. Yeah, <laughs> Just balloon the $50 budget fifty million dollars an episode <laughs> for season five. Yeah, no. Here's what it is: it is an origin story for Ted Wheeler. It is. God. Flashback to back when Ted was amazing, and this is why Karen fell in love with him, because he saved the world first.
3: You keep trying to make Ted happen. Now that you've seen Mean Girls, I can make that joke. What did I do? I I I saved the
4: world. (laughs) What (laughs) did I do? (laughs) What did I do? I did this for everyone. I deserve a rest. I'm going to fall asleep in front of the TV. (laughs) Where'd my kids go? I want to say Holly. Is that her name?
1: (laughs) I do wonder because the internet has made such a big deal about the, uh, the necklace of the, uh, certain mysterious guidance counselor. And I want to know, I want to know, like,
3: is it, was that just a a little thing? I have a slinking suspicion that that necklace is just a necklace. That's what I felt. And the hole that's in the clock is just a hole that's in all clocks. So Mm -hmm. they can like wind it and stuff. And the duffers are reading all this like, Oh fuck. Yeah.
4: Ah, oh, fuck, we forgot Will's birthday, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Justice for the guidance counselor. I do want to say, I want to give Chris his props for reading the sentence. Her key necklace in the keyhole in the creole clock. <laughs> yeah, that, that's not easy you to say. You said that with no wavering in your voice, and you powered through that. If I read that sentence, I would have been
3: stuck on every fifth word. I say this as a joke, but also dead serious. I don't have many skills, but I'm... <laughs> Can't even say it with a straight face. I'm super good at reading (laughs) and like extemporaneous prose specifically. Uh, My math teacher. It's funny that I'm doing this podcast trying to make it my job now because it's like, I can remember junior year of high school. My math teacher came up. I was snorting chalk dust because I was that kid. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's not meant to be in the story. I just kind of said that. And she it was said, indicative of later choices in life. <laughs> yeah. And she said, by the way, I love your voice. You should be on radio, which when I was in high school, radio was a thing. Podcasts were not. And I remember thinking, interesting. Uh, I took that a little weird, like, do I, do I have a face for radio, Interesting. too? <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> <laughs> she was saying you suck at math. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but it's kind of. If, uh, she was it calling was, you ugly. It was prescient, though, on all counts. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a math whiz, and I'm not the greatest looker. No, nah, you're a handsome man. Oh, stop. You're a handsome man. I was man. fishing, and you just. I hit it. Hit it. I, I hit it. you. Mm-hmm. I tapped that. You took the. <laughs> I'm like the Mr. Bite. Clark. I reeled it in. And I can get it, Steve.
1: Yeah, you, you've you clearly gotten it. You got a baby on the way. That's true. But so what you're saying is that we need to add tongue twisters as part of uh, in addition to the mad list. The
3: listeners do all. I mean, they were getting they were getting us last time. I know Steve was bouncing all over the place last time we did a mailbag. Yeah, don't tell them that because I edited all that out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our next email comes in from Lauren and she writes, hi, all. I absolutely love streaming things. It's been such a joy to watch season four and have your show to look forward to with each episode. It's so much fun to sit on, sit in on your conversations each week. Thank you for being you and creating great content. I have a question regarding Vecna that I really hope you guys can cover on a future episode. Where did VH1's powers come from? By the way, Andy, did you know that we're calling him VH1 now? Have you heard that? I did not. Vecna Henry 1. That's oh, so a good. listener wrote that in last week. Mm-hmm.
4: And not only are we using one. it, a lot of listeners have subsequently emailed this week using the VH1 tagline. I don't know because if that, that of listener her.
3: invented that or if that listener pulled it off the Internet and everyone else has to. We well, don't know for sure. Steve's headcanon, it's all her. That's true. It's genius, whoever did it. And I also would like to believe that it was one of our listeners. I think it
1: was. Because we have the I'm best with, listeners.
3: I'm with Steve's headcanon. Where did VH1's powers come from? Has that ever been established in the show or is it a mystery from everything I've seen? There are no hints to that yet, which is either weak writing or a plot point they'll hopefully cover in the next season. Is it to do with Vecna's mom, Brenner, some past trauma we don't know about? What are your thoughts slash theories? Thanks, Lauren from Greenville. South Carolina. P.S. As a fellow Midwesterner, I grew up in Illinois. Do you drink pop or soda? P.P.S. Heath bars are gross. Sorry, Andy. Oh. Fuck yeah.
4: We got one!
1: <inaudible> there are dozens of us. We
3: got them finally after
4: all the emails last week saying Heath bars are great. What do you guys think about the origins <laughs> of
1: VH1's powers? Lauren. God damn it. Uh, origins. So, um, you can only go so far back when you're establishing an origin story where you say this came from this and that came from that and so on and so forth until you get to the big bang, you know? Um, And so a lot of uh, horror films, especially, but generally sci-fi start to stumble when they try to make too much of a thing of where things came from. Uh, So they have established that 11 has her powers because they were trying to mimic the powers that they discovered in one. And I feel like that ought to be good enough. Did they establish that even? Yeah, they they established that everybody that came after one, they were trying to recreate what they discovered from him. He was uncontrollable and we need somebody else to mm-hmm. uh, that we control that can do what he does. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so- that's
4: why they showed him taking his blood and. You know, he's the first one and he's got the the thing in his neck that stops him from doing his powers. They want they want the good that is his powers, but they want to be able to control it. I
3: agree with Andy in the sense that I don't think if they never reveal how Henry has his powers, I don't think that that is weak writing or a plot hole at all. I, th- I always just assumed in this universe, psychic powers exist. And so we can assume safely, I think, that there are other Henrys. In the world that were never discovered yet, that aren't part of the story. That's just a thing that exists in this earth. It might exist in the earth that we're podcasting in, for all that we know. We don't understand the brain very well. Correct. Um, so that's where you're going with that, too, Andy, right? Like, it's not even yes. something we need to know. Exactly. Steve, what about you? Are you curious about some kind of explained origin for Henry? Like, maybe, like, the mustard gas that his dad fought with or something like that? Or
4: I don't know. See, yeah. I if they
3: never explain it, I would never
4: really mind i it's probably it's it's honestly nothing i've actually sat and thought like where did he get his powers like i'm okay with an absolute villain like we've clearly established that vegna is he's just pure evil right like he's the he's the he's the evil man he's just an evil man Mm -hmm. uh i'm okay with your absolutely evil person just being absolutely corrupted by power and that's what he is and whether that's just a like maybe his power is corrupting him or whatever i'm okay with it it's one of those things where like you look at darth vader right I never, when I was growing up, never needed to know. Oh, where? Why is Darth Vader so powerful? You know, he just is. That's just he's Darth right. Vader. The the universe has told me from the jump, this is the most powerful person. From the jump, from the jump, from the opening <laughs> Star Wars crawl that he from is the jump powerful. And light speed, <laughs> hit it, Chewie. <laughs> Whereas, and if I can keep the Star Wars metaphors, we don't want to get into a situation where say star wars solo a star wars story where it's like Mm. your name
3: who what is the name of your people i don't have a last name hmm Cause you're so low, right? You don't yeah. need to overexplain. Like it was already explained. Like that's a weird sci-fi last name in this universe. Nobody, and, yeah. nobody thought about that. Yeah. And sticking with Stranger Things, sometimes when you get the backstory, it makes it worse. Like we
1: got uh Hopper just talking about his daughter having cancer, and he's like, "Oh well, I was in Vietnam, and I uh, was exposed to Agent Orange, and mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that's why my daughter had cancer, and I'm a curse, and yada yada." It was like you took a tragic backstory and tried to explain it more. And now it feels hackneyed. It feels forced. Yeah. 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 Hmm.
4: And, 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 and I don't want to like disparage anyone who wants to know that. Cause it is a question. I understand being curious and wanting to know, but I'm just saying from my perspective, if they never explain it, I don't really need to know.
3: I was thinking I'm okay about this today because I do write stories and stuff and this is a little off topic, but I just I have to speak on it because I think it's a fascinating thing that I'm realizing or maybe is always true. But when I was a kid, I was learning storytelling from people like, you know, laugh at me now, but Kevin Smith. Right. And he would always say, like, you have to you have to dumb things down f- for the audience to a certain point. And he always gave the example of in dogma with the air conditioning vents. He put the little strings on them so that you could see the air coming out just to make damn sure what he was trying to say was visually. I think he was wrong because looking at. What everything that's happening with the Star Wars universe and the MCU fandom with all the Mephisto stuff, the Stranger Things fandom uh, with all of their theorizing and trying to look for the deepest of the deepest Easter eggs and the clues everywhere that are sometimes way off because they're so detailed and how much people love the show Dark on Netflix for and being a bigger creator on TikTok now and finding out how much people are obsessed with uh mind-blowing movies that just twist and turn are really complicated and hard to process people love that shit Mm. people crave that shit like give them smarter stuff give them more the more complications the more puzzles that they have to figure out in their media the more they love it sure um i just think that's fascinating because that's the opposite of what i was taught you know what i mean to a point
1: but i i do agree with you like kevin smith his whole justification for that shot is unfounded ultimately what he did was take a bad shot and try to make it better and he used that the little tinsel to explain the shot a better way to have done it would have been to do like a profile the wind is blowing his hair back and yeah like, uh you know he's basking in the coolness of it as opposed to like a front-on shot of a vent on a wall you know what i mean right and so he's like i i had to explain it for the dumb audience
3: it's like no you were uh you were lazy about the way that you did it maybe yeah, yeah. but i just think that's fascinating. Like. Uh, I love that people love this kind of shit. And I think that it opens up and it could be like the Christopher Nolan, Nolanification of media literacy, maybe. And if I was going to like be smart and analyze it, you know, I don't know if it has a root, but I think it does somewhere around the late 2009 ish era. You know what I mean? Probably six sense is when it oh, really yeah. kind of came around. At least for me, that was the first time I Sh- remember Shyamalanification of media. Yeah. That was the first time I remember people really like obsessing. Oh, what a twist. You yeah. Know? <laughs> Yeah, it's just Uh, interesting to me. I know that was a tangent. I just wanted to get that off my chest. It's a good tangent. Oh, uh, did you answer the question pop or uh, soda? Soda. Soda. It is, I think she wants us to say pop because we're from the Midwest and there is a lot of people that say pop around us. But I I do say pop. I do also say soda. Soda, soda. But maybe because Andy's family raised me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a pop guy. Our next email comes in from Abby from Philly. Andy, take it away. First off,
1: my first dog's name was Abby, and so I love your name. A Scotty. A little Scotty name. She was a stinky little dog, but I loved her. Abby writes in, what's up, haters? My older sister is making me write in. She's a real Billy, if you know what I mean. Damn. JK, she's a jaybird. A (laughs) voya? Now listen, I have only a small bit of D&D knowledge, but I did notice something about that. You're the heart, Mike scene, that y'all are hating on so hard that I think is worth mentioning. In d a player can be rewarded with inspiration, which can give them an extra advantage while they are in battle, extra damage points on attacks, etc. They are rewarded this when they act in a way that is true to their character. I think this applies to this scene in a couple ways. First, Mike is the dungeon master, who normally is the one that awards inspiration to members of the party. Two, Mike is giving inspiration to Elle, who is acting true to her character by taking on all the scary monsters to save her friends again. I know, I know, I know. Mike is that lame friend who disappears once they get a girlfriend, is a little <laughs> shit to hopper, and does not notice that you are crying right next to them. But he did show a girl with buzz cut a, and a huge t shirt a lot of can- kindness. He never stopped looking for Will, and he noticed when Will was struggling in season two and jumped off a cliff for Dustin. That's a really good point. That was a super friend move, bro move. So as Moody skeptical and aloof as he might be at times, I like Mike. I like this scene. I think he's the right one to inspire, and he's the dungeon master. He's the heart of the game.
3: That's all. Love the podcast. Great work. Thank you so, so much, Abby. You bring up a lot of great points, but I would counter that nobody's denying any of that. Uh, I think the huge argument is how much his character has fallen off and that it seems like the writers are a little out of touch if they think that Mike is who the fandom responds to in that way would be my argument. Of course, young Mike was. Finn Wolfhard got the most extra work from the show because he did seem to be the protagonist. Um, but I don't think it comes off that way anymore. You've got standout people like you got Maya Hawk with Robin. You've got Sadie Sink with Max. I would, I would argue after season four, Kayla McLaughlin for, with Lucas that are just uh, and Joe Keery with, with uh, Steve. You know, I think that uh, those are what people gravitate toward now. So it seems it just felt a little uh, insincere to just out of nowhere say that. But though you're 100% right from the setup and from the original design of the show, and from a meta standpoint, the fact that he's the dungeon master in the D game. What say you, Steve? No, I agree completely. I think she
4: raises great points. Like, those are all incredible instances of Mike being a, a kind, good person. I mean, literally d- jumping off a cliff for Dustin is. One of the best things you could do for a friend, like I will potentially kill myself so that my friend yeah, does not get like killed, as
3: the ultimate bro move. That was such a good moment in season one.
4: However, to to, to your point, Chris, all of those points. We're from six years ago, you know, in season one and in the time intervening. Season three truly
3: is the the season where Mike completely fell off. That's the one where he's rude to Hopper out of nowhere and all the little stuff that rubbed me the wrong way. He's really Mm -hmm. possessive over 11. And sure, it's a normal character growth for an adolescent. Yeah, I'm not judging him on face value, but just if I'm going to like, what character am I having the most fun with right now? Or do I respect the most, right? It's just not been Mike for a good three or four years now.
4: Yeah, but and and towards the end of this season, it seemed like they're at least they're going towards maybe steering him back, back into the path of the light. As it mm-hmm. were, because we we mentioned like this is this is the Mike we knew and loved from season one. More of this Mike, and so that gives me that gives me uh, hope and joy. He's doing better. He's doing better. Yeah, the the sign of like days since Mike has been a dick is uh, is up in numbers. It's not a zero anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Steve wants to read our next email. Our next email comes from Jenna from Scotland. Oh, how dope is that? She writes. First of all, let it be known that I have never emailed a pod before. Or listened so religiously, I came for the the in depth episode by episode breakdowns. I stayed for Marty B. If I could get a shout out from Marty B., it would make my day and bring me extreme notoriety among people. See you in the upside down, Bochachos Jenna. P.S. No idea what a Heath bar is. Am I missing out? Yes, no. you are. <laughs> well, Jenna, let me just tell you. It's your, it's your, it's Big Papa, Marty B, here to tell you that <laughs> there's nothing more in this world I want except possibly a child with mine powers to make them fight in the pit I've created underground to give you more notoriety amongst your people. Does she mean all of the people of Scotland? I know, right? <laughs> Among I, my people. That's how I read I that. I love that so much. Tell you, go to your peeps, Jenna. Go to your peeps and tell them what happened on this day. <laughs> the day that... Your old pal, Marty B, went on top of the hill and said, you know what, Jenna's my best friend. I've never had a better friend since two. What about 10? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I almost blocked the memory out of my head. <laughs>
3: I'm sorry to bring that up.
4: They may take our lives,
3: but they never take our lives. Yeah, I thought you were doing a Marty B speech yeah, from Braveheart I, I for a second. I you were
4: getting there, man. I, I don't remember the speech, but it, yeah, that would be great. <laughs>
3: Just say it's shite being Scottish. <laughs> it's shite. I hear it's shit well, being Scottish. Well, Train spotting. Thank you so much for writing in, and thank you, Dr. Brenner, for, uh, for poking your head in out of your cage that we keep you in on the side of the table. It's very cramped. Go <laughs> back to sleep. May I request? We the call that your one? Nina. I'm sorry, not a cage. Mm-hmm. Oh. Nina. Go back to Nina. Hanging out with Simon Pegg. He might be a little woman behind a tree, man. <laughs> uh, this next email comes in from uh, Tomei from Brazil. Hello, gentlemen. How's it going? My name is Tomei. I am from Brazil. My name is the Portuguese language version of Thomas, if you think it is weird to pronounce. I don't think it's weird. I just hope I'm doing it right. Uh, Would it be Tom? I, yeah, I think it's maybe. But there's a, what's that called? Uh, an accent grave, A thingy. Yeah, there's there's, there's a thingy. thingy. A thingy above the E. There's a there's a word for it. I really like that the reason VH1 could open portals in season four was because the monster flayer got Eleven's leg in season three. It is the classic villain explaining his plan moment, but I think it was necessary. However, in season one, episode six, the monster, the Demogorgon opens a portal in the woods and seems like it's doing it's doing it frequently. The tree portal is the same one that Nancy enters the upside down and is later dragged out of by Jonathan. Since everything in the Upside Down is a hive mind, how does that fit in with the whole VH1 scenario? Did that Demogorgon get this power? Because Eleven touched it in the midway mind blackout world. We call it the in-between. Uh, while immersed in the Nina. 0.0. 0? If so, what is the reason <laughs> that that's a, a motor <laughs> <laughs> I liked it to imagine it was the prototype of Nina. If so, what is the reason VH1 did not already have this power? Keep up the good work and sorry for my bad English. Your English is great. You know it's how much great. Portuguese I speak? fucking zero. You so probably said your name wrong, man. That's how much yeah, Portuguese he speaks. Way better than me. It is not my mother language. Wishing you all the best. I almost read that it's not my motherfucking language. And I was like, damn, Tomei. <laughs> Wishing you all the best, colon in parentheses. <laughs> right. Um, get it? It's an emoticon? Yes. I got it was it. an emoticon reference, Steve. I just made sure because you're dumb. Thanks. Uh, Thanks, buddy. I'm glad that you're looking out for me. <laughs> Uh, we've talked about this before and it really bothers me and I really just think it's an oversight. It's one of those things where they didn't expect the story to, to grow this much. And now looking back that the original Demogorgon had powers that it doesn't actually have like its ability to, uh, telepathically move the, uh, chain lock from the shed or the house when it's attacking will. Right um do you guys remember that scene in season one
4: mm-hmm.
3: yeah that's a fair point i don't think well, it, people now say that oh that was vecna yeah but i don't think the duffers meant that at the time is what i'm getting at 100 didn't mean yeah. that at the time it's all retcon stuff and how the the original demogorgon could make portals like that doesn't make any sense because even in vecna's lore he didn't have that power until he got that power from 11 after season three to make gates at all or he there was would have that, come back long ago.
4: There was an email that a previous listener wrote in to our volume one mailbag that said in the canon uh, Stranger Things, was it the comic book or the novel? One of the two. The novel. It, it was established that Demogorgons could open portals as long as another portal was open. Right. So, like... The, the fact that Eleven had opened a portal allowed the Demogorgon to walk in between the realms whenever it's so pleased. Um, so maybe this is just a way, like, well, Vecna can't make those portals. Eleven made that initial one, so that science behind the Demogorgon is still intact, mm-hmm. but he still needed to suck that power out of her from uh, uh, Season 3. Right. I do like what he's saying about, you know, maybe... They got, a little, they got a little taste. They got a little taste of that power when when Eleven touched the Demogorgon and in between, like maybe it was like a maybe it was like a free sample. Like you go to Blockbuster <laughs> and you rent a movie for five days. The, Vecna had five days of portal opening power. He's a portal. <laughs> he, was, he was a portal popping boy. Yeah, you're walking through mm-hmm. the mall. They're like we got PBB? bourbon chicken. <laughs> <laughs> you want free sample? <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be that. Uh, I also like. I think the Duffers have confirmed that season five will be uh, first off 100 percent in Hawkins. And that it'll explore all of the lore of the upside down. So I think a lot of these types of questions, even if they haven't been invented yet by the Duffers, if I'm if I'm my suspicions are correct, will be answered. And also that and I don't know how if I like this or not, but that will was taken for a reason that they've said Mm -hmm. and that will be explained in season five. And that there's going
1: to be a body count and just way too much stuff that we really don't need to know because we're going to watch it. Yeah. Yeah they they can't help themselves. Mm. Well,
3: I mean, they got to hype it up. And again, this yeah. is what people love nowadays. The I think Thinking about this stuff is more fun than watching it for for a ton of folks. And it's just the way that we that we engage with media now. I just I do. I agree so
1: much. And I wish that they would do a weekly episode thing so we could have that moment and be like, what's going to come
3: next? I agree. That'll never happen with Netflix. We, we got
1: it a little bit, though, this time accidentally
3: part two it because they weren't finished with the last two episodes yeah, and they, they wanted they, to they wanted qualify movies. for the Emmys. Yeah. Is that how it worked out? Yeah, they they, they literally finished the some of the CGI work like a couple days before it dropped. Yeah, uh, I, I listened so. to like an hour long interview with I the mean, Duffers. They, they
4: clearly didn't finish the CEI, CGI of the first volume because they just made changes to that the day before <laughs> yeah. Volume Two dropped. If you guys watch Volume One now, there are slight uh, CGI changes to several scenes. So uh,
3: specifically, Vecna's lair, I think, changed colors. Right? Yeah, uh, it's Steve, not his, it's not up?
4: his lair so much as when he is eventually thrown through the portal uh that 11 oh, throws him oh. through the the world that he's kind of flying through and he's getting struck by lightning the initial run of the show it was a red it was the color one behind the music that yeah. he was flying through mm-hmm. well now the proto upside down before vecna's influence is a yellow color sc- color scheme and i guess when he and then i think they did that to
3: differentiate his mind palace red color scheme so i think so and yeah. also to like show that he had more direct influence on it yes, You're yes. like, you know what shit man we should have made it magenta not so much fuchsia. I would have gone with a colonial puce. <laughs> <laughs> I like to picture them looking at swaths yeah. as, as brothers. <laughs> uh, Andy, read the next email.
1: This next email comes in from Maddie. Maddie says, hi, everybody. Hi. Hi, Fran. Hello. A couple of things I wanted to bring up that I believe you haven't discussed. I've seen a theory about Karen Wheeler, possibly being Henry Creel's sister. Dun, dun, dun. Maybe it'll come out in season five. I'm not sure. And then I've also seen a cool theory about Eddie coming back as a vampire. And what? in D&D, there's a vampire that works with Vecna that turns on him. Thank you again, everybody. Thank you again, everybody. I actually had a coworker bring that up to me. Uh, he uh, knows that I'm on this show and that so I'm knowledgeable
3: on Stranger Things.
4: So he's bypassing the email structure no, that no, our fair no, listeners no, no. are
3: doing? Right into streamingthingspot.gmo.com. Right. At if your coworkers
4: ever come at you with more insights, you say, whoa, 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 bud, smash that subscribe button. Yeah. Yeah. Smash the subscribe,
1: hit
3: five stars. Ring that bell, baby. That's the only way you're getting any answers.
1: But yeah, he, he said, I've been seeing some stuff online about uh, Eddie coming back as a vampire. And I'm like, what? Probably not going to happen, but what?
3: So I've read a lot about both of these things and I hate them both. Uh, no offense to anybody. That's just how I feel. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, nasty nancy i don't know what to tell you uh bullshit i think it's all bullshit shit! so the idea that karen wheeler is possibly henry krail's sister i think i mean what's the ba- so i'm unfamiliar with this one what is the basis behind this th- there is no real basis i don't think other than like ooh, wouldn't it be a crazy Shyamalan twist if the little girl was karen wheeler there's a little bit more to it than that that i forgot because i didn't read much of it because the girl's dead like we saw didn't we didn't we see like the eyeballs, she was vecna like the in Victor Creel's yeah. monologue about what happened. He said, I came out that's what I took and that discovered team. that my daughter had been murdered, right? Like, he saw wounds, terrible wounds, yeah. terrible wounds. So, I don't think that there's anything that could be there, nor is that interesting to me, right? Like, the idea that it's extremely unnecessary for sure, yes. Um, though I would take any excuse possible to see more of Karen Wheeler in the, in the main story. Um, and also Eddie confirmed by the Duffers dead as a doornail. Yeah. Now they could be lying, but that's not typically their style. It was one and out for sure. They just deceive with marketing. Uh, they've said ad nauseum that it was always, uh, his intention to their intention to have Eddie represent, uh, what was it the Memphis three, um, the satanic panic, people that were falsely accused of crimes and they did things did not end well for them because they ended up in prison for 18 years. Um, and like, they didn't want the writing nightmare of the entire town. Like what are we going to do? Just have him be in jail in season five. Like this this we had to kill him we had to. Um, so, but there is a theory cause the, the Vecna has a right hand man named cause I think is how you pronounce it. K A S. Uh, and there is a, a vampiric, backstory to him and they people are reading into the bats like why they make them bats then he gets bitten by bats right so maybe he represents cause because um, they're visually interesting because cause has a sword and a shield canonically mm-hmm. so when eddie died he had the trash can mm-hmm. shield and a spear a but spear. you could argue that's now. a sword right yeah. i have a better theory that if they were thinking about dnd lore at all This isn't satisfying at all, but I think it's kind of neat because Kaz was Vecna's right-hand man that later betrays him, right? I think 11 is Kaz if the Duffers were thinking about the lore surrounding Vecna at all. Because he wanted Eleven to be his right hand man originally, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I wanted you to stand beside me or whatever. I don't know why I did Sean Connery back <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, Eleven, Kiki, <laughs> how would you like to go back to my my bungalow and eat some Malamash? <laughs> <laughs> so she betrayed him, right? Like it's the right hand man that betrayed him. So. That's what I think. Maybe 11's cause and it's already over with. So I like that. Yeah. yeah. I'll Plus buy that for a dollar. That part where she grew fangs for a second too. Like I'll be yeah, dead on dead on Steve. Read our next email. Our next email comes from Trevor. He
4: writes, if a gate opens everywhere Vecna makes a kill, for example Eddie's trailer, the lake, that means as a result of Fred's kill there would be a gate in the middle of a road. How has no one straight up driven their car into the upside down? Where I live in Massachusetts, we deal with potholes on a regular basis. Same. And though some have come close, none have dropped me into an <laughs> alternate dimension. Hashtag pothole plot hole. Mm, pot, uh, here, let me try that again. Hashtag pothole plot hole. That Hashtag Pothole plot hole. Beautiful. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, let me flex arm, um, yeah. Chris. Let me warm up, and then you're sitting there,
3: like, Hang on, let me try it. Hashtag pothole. <laughs> Nailed it. Um, that is just a, a plot hole, I think. Yeah. I got a. I I gotta hint. I remember reading this when after that episode episode aired, and uh, or at least after it was revealed that the deaths result in gates. And all I could come up with is that that was a very like under traveled part of town because it took them six or seven hours to find Fred's body too. Yeah, So I'm thinking people don't drive back that way a lot. And I've maybe got roads around us that are very, very, you know, very few people travel on. Well, also, at least for a day, those gates have been relatively open. Cause there was a like poem written open. about it. What? The road less traveled.
4: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you meant Fred's death. Like no. who wrote the poem about
1: fucking Fred? Also, Robert, Robert potentially the people of Hawkins, Indiana, much like you in Massachusetts, uh, are intimately familiar with uh, navigating the treacherous roads and the pot pothole pot plot holes that uh, are it's hard to say abound. Uh, so maybe they just saw that shit. Like, there's another one. The goddamn it's state t- government can't deal with this shit. Everybody all go around. Go around it. It.
3: Nobody
4: looks in it. Ted. Wh- Ted Wheeler's just driving by. Oh, uh, well, they got to do something about these roads. I pay my taxes. <laughs> so. I'm a taxpaying American. Where does it go? <laughs> Clearly not this street. What if he
3: fell into the upside down and just f- just flying around? Oh, going, what it. did I
4: do? <laughs> Karen, can you get me out of the upside down? <laughs>
3: There's an email that we got that I don't think is in the mailbag that I wanted to read so badly. And it's somebody doing a Ted impression. Uh, <laughs> yes. and they, they had this quote, I'm Goddamn hero. They had this quote that was so funny. It was like at the very, he said, he said, that, or it was he or she said the very last line of the whole show is going to be Ted sitting in there like covered in blood, having murdered a bunch of Demogorgons and stuff and actually stepped up to the plate. And he just says, uh, there's one thing I've always hated about this town. It's all the damn Demogorgons. And <laughs> I thought it was fucking Head amazing. Cannon. I thought Head it was cannon. fucking amazing. Uh, but the next email comes in. That was in, written in by Andy. <laughs>
4: yeah. was written in by Candy Also, heat bars are awesome.
3: Uh, the next email comes in from Karen in Devon, England. Top of the morning to you. Oh, top of the morning. To top ya. of the morning to you. I don't think you've had this question, but it's the one thing that is bugging me about that epic last episode. When Hopper and L reunite at the end of the episode, Do you think that Elle believed that he was dead or she knew that he was incarcerated somewhere else? Surely she would have at some point in the past eight months tried to find him in the in between. Or did she just assume he was dead and therefore wouldn't be able to find him? Always checking my notifications for new episodes. The addition of Argyle to the podcast is the highlight of my week. Lots of love. Karen, a nice Karen. Not, you know, the meme. Hmm. Uh, We do know the meme and we did not assume that about you. Um, I would say a solid plot hole. It is not. No. Eleven had no powers when uh, Hopper was quote unquote dead. This is 100% true. She didn't get her powers back until she had a lot more on her mind than finding Hopper because it had been seven or eight months later and now she's in the fucking Nina and all Mm -hmm. kinds of stuff. She's probably accepted that he's dead at that point as well. But also when he reunites with her, she said, I never gave up hope. I always left the door open three inches. So it was like. She did think he might be alive somehow, maybe, Mm -hmm. but dared not hope, but couldn't look because she didn't have her powers. Mm -hmm. So I think that's. I could see
1: it. I could see it. Although, if I was her, when I got my powers back, I'd be like, I'm going
4: to look at all kinds of shit. what I miss? Well, you forget I had her in the Nina. She was having a great time. Also, man, she should have just tried to look for, even without her powers, man. Like, try before you deny. I always encourage my psychic children to try hard, especially when that task is throwing another child against a wall with your mind. That's what I'm saying, man. Like, smacking them. They got straight smacked against a wall. Mm -hmm. Young Andrew... This guy gets it. This Argyle. Have you met him? Oh, hi, Argyle. My name's Andy. It's all the
3: purple palm tree delight, man.
4: Can you let me have a toke.
3: There you go.
4: Yeah, <laughs> <clears throat> oh, it's good. It's good stuff.
3: All right, man.
4: You want to go stare at bath salts for a second with me? I do. We could smoke them.
2: Oh stare my
1: God. at bath salts? <laughs> oh Is that what
3: you do with those? I'm hi. trying to yes and. Uh, <laughs> Andy, read our next email. Let's see.
1: So the next email comes from Jeffrey from Georgia. Jeffrey writes in, Hey, guys, love the show and have enjoyed immersing myself in the Stranger Things world through y'all. Someone mentioned the idea of Vecna thinking he is the main villain, but he is not actually. I think that might be true. I think that might be
4: true. He's talking about me saying he might not
1: be the main villain. Oh, okay. It might also explain the time jump. We know Vecna didn't create the Upside Down or the monsters. He just led them. I think the creator of the Upside Down is out slash in there somewhere, controlling everything. A master of puppets. I see what you did there. Up until this point, the Upside Down really hasn't been harmed at all. Nor has there been any progress in keeping it from the main world. I think that I, I think that all has to do with a higher power pulling strings that no one knows. As far as the time jump, I think we will pick up right where we left off with the gang quickly finding Vecna and defeating him for good, almost like the beginning of Endgame, thinking they have finished. I'm guessing this has been shot already. Then we will see the time jump. The Max-Spy theory makes sense to me. Because of this, I think the time jump takes us to right around the time she wakes up from her coma. I'm excited to hear more and more theories as we wait for the final season. Thanks for the entertainment jeffrey
4: thank you jeffrey
1: thanks jeffrey you ever spoke so, to jeffrey uh <laughs> oh my god dude i haven't have, watched that movie get him forever. to the greek That's right hysterical yeah with uh p diddy in that scene he's like rubbing <laughs> the walls and shit There's carpet on the walls man okay so uh I, I i see where he's coming from but i don't know if i agree um i think that now that we've established that vh1 is also uh mf uh, which is the mind flare? Uh, like it, it would be insane at this point, I think, to be like, oh, and also, but he's he's not the mind flare. He's controlling the mind flare at most. He's not the mind flare, right? But the mind flare, as we know it, or as we've experienced it, up to in everything up until the flashback, it has been the mind flare as Vecna or Vecna as the mind flare, and so like no, and
3: as far he's as shaped a sentient being into the spider thing, but it was its own thing, right? Like it did have, powers. it existed prior right. to him. And w-
1: it was a sentient, you know, innocuous, uh, hive mind being cloud mm-hmm. thing floating around, but it as a menace to the real world was not until Vecna I- intervened. And right. so it, when I'm saying that Vecna is the mind flayer, I'm saying the mind flayer. in as far as the mind flayer as a villain, is purely through Vecna's influence. That's what I'm getting at.
3: I think more like, I see what you're saying, but I, I would I would say it's more nuanced than that, like, kind of, like, it's probably malevolent. It's just pointed toward his enemies right now, currently. But once it's out there, it's going to want to fuck shit up without him, too. Yeah. Right? Like, it just does whatever. Whatever it does, we don't know what it does, but it's going to do whatever it does with or without him. Mm-hmm.
4: Um, yeah, and I, I feel it's kind of weird because it is a hive mind, right? And I think Vecna VH1 has the ability to steer it in the right direction, but I think the Mind flare overall is controlling the hive mind because it would be weird if a, if a human and brain can just plug into a hive mind and then control everything. You know what I mean? But I can see He's where logged it in with that influence. admin password. Yeah, bro. Yeah, just put on its VPN. He didn't know where it was coming <laughs> from. <laughs> I think
3: I th- I do think, and maybe this is just me unwilling to let go of my old theories, but I do think it's more interesting to have Vecna not be the biggest bad. Um, and I, you know, said nay to a lot of our listeners that were writing in. And then they said, ha ha. When, it, you know, when it yeah. turned out that Vecna was behind everything and uh, it was Agatha all along, if you will, mm-hmm. it was Vecna all along, but I, I do like he the idea of, song. you know, he's just, and everybody points out, Hey, you said that v- Henry had been through a lot of trauma, but as a little kid, he was like killing animals and stuff. Right. So, but that's still a mental illness that, you know, he may or may not have been born with or had from a very young age. And I, I, i just have a lot of sympathy toward any kind of humanized character so as i think you're supposed to so i think it's more interesting if he's not the biggest biggest bad but i don't like andy's saying know how they would pull that off in a way that i would like or believe now
1: i don't even necessarily agree with the concept of the uh mind flayer being malevolent in any regard um Prior to the influence, just because like it was not hurt the, nobody. Vecna, dis, like the way he described it. And now it is described through the lens of Vecna, who is a big bad. Uh He's like it, it was this world untouched by humans. And it was
4: sure it's an ugly thing. Uh,
1: even that Demogorgon was ugly. just wandering around, not yeah, bothering nobody. Like, well, didn't
4: he say something like this is the ultimate predator? That's why I liked it. He just yeah.
1: wandered through. What, what was the voice, Steve? Or he's like, hey, I'm just minding my business. <sighs> oh, hey, man, I'm, just here. I'm Gary the <laughs> Gary? Yes.
4: Fucking <laughs> <Yes>. Gary.
3: <laughs> yes. Fucking
4: so,
3: Gary.
1: Fucking MF and Gary. And that <laughs> had to show up and fuck shit up.
4: Mm-hmm. Why am I a motherfucker?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just minding my own business, dick.
3: <laughs> Poor Gary. Gary there, there, the Demogorgon. There could be something there. Could be. Steve, why don't you read our next email? Our next email comes from
4: Cassidy. They write, I think that when Vecna took Will in the first episode, whether there is some sort of ulterior motive or Will was just the first kid he saw when he entered Hawkins that night, I'm assuming he had some sort of intentions to brainwash slash recruit him to use as a vessel in Hawkins, as we saw in season two. If Vecna was recruiting Will, even if it was literally just to use his body, he probably would still want Will to be on his side, knowing Will would probably still have some control even when he is being used as a vessel. I think he made it look like Hawkins the day he took Will, knowing it could help keep Will in a vulnerable place since he would at least think he could navigate the upside down and give a sense of familiarity. I think it's a literal copy of Hawkins from that day. This This also explains why it is stuck on that day. Time isn't necessarily stuck, it's just what it looked like the day Vecna essentially copied and pasted Hawkins." That is from Cassidy. Thank you for writing in. I think they're onto something here. I do. Um, That's really not bad. Yeah, yeah. I think this is a really, really good pull. Um, I, I, I've been thinking about this a lot in terms. Now that we know that uh, Vecna has it's been Vecna all along, um, I've been looking back at these kind of things with a with a different perspective, right? And I'm wondering, you know. Is this how? Because I think we t- we'll, we'll probably talk about this more, but I could see this being part of how Will gets powers if he were to get powers. Because much like how VH1 stole Eleven's power by injecting her with the weird, gross, monstrous Wiggly worm, uh, if you remember, he also stuffed a bunch of Wiggly worms that turned out to be Demogorgons into Will at the end of season one. So maybe mm. that's how that connection is fully formed. You know, uh, and and this also would explain. I, I really like this. There's a, there's an element of malice and sinisterness to the fact of like, Oh, I'm going to take this kid, but I'm going to make, I'm going to shape the world that he knows around him. But like, it's all fucked up. And I think that that's great
3: and could hundred percent be, because they've already said they're going to explain why will was chosen as though there was a motive for that specifically. And we don't know why the upside down looks like that day in 1983, November six. I think it was um, something around there. Yeah. And, and I, I think remember. that that is perfect. Like that's, great work Cassidy um uh I think you're definitely on to something there I really and I like that I would buy that I'd buy that for a dollar I'd buy that for a dollar mm-hmm. what about you Andy would you buy that for a dollar uh, about tree fitty <laughs> <laughs> tree f- goddamn Loch Ness Monster I gave him a dollar she gave him a dollar <laughs> uh our next email comes in from uh Sherry from Illinois it could be Cherie I had a friend in high school named Cherie but I'm gonna go with Cherie uh but a born and bred Hoosier Hey, guys, just found your podcast this year and I'm really enjoying it. I wanted to share a few thoughts I have on Max. But first, I have to say I was super disappointed with that two days later card. Weren't we all? We had a two plus hour long episode and they still couldn't find the time to show us the immediate reaction of all the kids to what happened to Eddie and Max. They were all in it together. And I really wanted to see those emotions when they all learned of the price that was paid in their battle to stop Vecna. I just can't see them having Max remain in a coma for much of season five. It seems impossible. They'll be able to do the supposed time jump right away with Hawkins in such immediate peril, which means Lucas or one of the gang would have to be with her in the hospital at all times to protect her from all the upside down monsters that have, have been let loose. Plus, we are we still don't know what happened to her mom. And I can't see Vecna being able to use her as a puppet, even if he can access her mind, because he blinded her and broke all her damn limbs. So he'd just be chilling in her hospital room. Another thing to consider is that there has been some Emmy buzz. Sorry, I just
4: got the image of Vecna chilling in a hospital room. Oh shit! Could someone let the orderly know <laughs> it's time for her bed sheets to be cleaned? Pressing the pager button on that that little remote, the TV speaker
1: is built into that shit. I hate Excuse it. Excuse so- me, nurse. There's a spider on the wall. Can you bring it
3: to me? I would like a pudding cup as well. <laughs> <laughs> Another tapioca this time. <laughs> another thing to consider is that there has been some Emmy buzz around Sadie for her work this season, which she 100% deserves. Oh, if yeah. she does indeed get a nomination, are they really going to waste her talents having her comatose in a bed for multiple episodes? I also wonder if it would change their current plans for Max for the season if she did get nominated since they haven't started writing it yet. And finally, my prediction is that it won't be 11 and brings her back, but will. The Moby Song they played when she died is the same song they used in season 1 when Joyce and Hopper we're bringing will back i felt like that was deliberate Mm -hmm. End email great points all around uh i don't think they've confirmed that there are any uh monsters loose though i don't even know for sure if the gate like the ripping uh the earthquakey shit that's going on in hawkins is that a completed gate or was it undone when max is half alive now um that can't be all that vecna was planning on happening from that fourth gate right like it should have been an immediate hell broken loose but it didn't seem that way well we we just saw it there at the end like now the gate
1: is a we're, we're seeing the gates of mordor just cracked open and aragorn and crew are about to scream for frodo and run at it uh there was a lot of lightning and stuff
3: maybe i don't i didn't take it that way i didn't take I it thought
4: like it was the gates are open because when nancy has her vision she sees the gates opening just like that where it's going true. through the city and it makes that kind of uh, cross section of uh, Hawkins or True. X marks the spot, I guess you could say. But
1: I will also say the Duffers definitely have already started writing the last season because there was that
3: They already image. have the whole outline,
1: just yeah, not I was the gonna script. Say they pitched it and there was crying abound. I mm-hmm. remember reading
3: that. So yeah. there's definitely writing happening. They also said not to take you guys down this road, but they said uh, in a long extended interview uh, that Part of it was talking about the deaths and stuff. And actually, I want a quick shout out to Steve, because he had called this, at least his own feelings, mirrored that of the Brothers Duff, which is cool. Where Steve said if they had killed a bunch of people, George Martin style that wouldn't be stranger things. It was Steve's sentiment. And that is exactly what the Duffer brothers said. You never said anything to me, but I left you a voicemail about that. Did you Did you Whoa, listen to that?
4: It's, it's fun that you say that. Cause right now I'm here to reveal you that I'm both Duffer brothers.
3: Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm not. I wish I was uh, And the brother, uh, the brother Duffers. <laughs> the Duffer brothers said that they were like, you know, if we did something like that, I don't think it would be the show that we created. That doesn't feel very stranger thingsy to me. And then the other brother, brother i don't i don't remember if it was matt or ross he chimed in it and was he's kevin yeah their third, the third brother third he just comes up with one idea every couple of years <laughs> shut up kevin eat your hot dogs i
4: have an idea about eat a character named eight
3: i pictured he was eating cut up hot dogs <laughs> from a paper plate for some reason
4: yeah hey, he came up with the idea of eight whole
3: <laughs> <Yoda>. <laughs> hey. so then uh the other brother said uh but Part of the reason that we didn't kill a bunch of people is because it slows down the next season. Like, there's a ton of reckoning that needs to happen. You can't just gloss over something like that. LOL with Eddie, right? Um <laughs> They're like, you know, the entirety, even just Barb and he even said that and kind of backtrack, like not even just Barb. Barb was important, but you know, we had to have all of season two talking frequently about Barb's death. And uh, uh, with Billy, of course, you know, there's we had to reckon with that for all of season four and make an entire Dear Billy episode, all that stuff. Right. So if we killed like six people, all of season five would just be everybody really sad. And that's not fun to watch. It would be a reckoning. But they said with season five, it's the last season. So all bets are off for anybody dying because they won't have to fucking deal with it writing wise <laughs> yeah. for another season, except for the spinoffs that Netflix wants to make, but the, it's not going to be directly related. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've even said like, it's nothing like what you think it is. Not even Netflix knows what the idea for their spinoff is. Then they it's also what they say though, that they're not going to do it. So no, I think they're still have it planned. Oh, well, they definitely said like
1: we want somebody else to take the reins, and we want them to be there from the beginning and carry it through. Yeah, they have. That.
3: uh So they founded a company called Upside Down Productions. Nice, that's cool. And they're going to be overseeing like kind of like a, what's JJ Abrams Studio, Bad Robot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like the Bad Robot of the Duffer Brothers. And they have a another live action adaptation of Death Note, the anime. For some reason, is one of their projects. Weird. Uh, and then this. Stranger Things spinoff and a third thing I forget uh, but any who's I, I went way off on a tangent there but <laughs> y- you're right that we're all very confused about how they're going to do this time jump with the initial chaos and uh, I'm sure they have a plan for it but I don't know what that is Andy read the next email the next email comes in from Amanda
1: from Wisconsin. Amanda writes, dearest Chris, Andy and Steve. Oh, thank you for your podcasts. Oh, I welcome. found you via Chris's TikTok. Oh, there it is. There it is. And have it have binged the season four recaps. Like it was my job. It is our job. Also the stranger things, D and D trivia episode was top notch. And I sure hope you do one again. Maybe at the end of the series. Yeah. Steve, could be lazy, make another D and D game. <laughs> oh, I fucked up my phone. We'll get there eventually. <laughs> Well, she writes in the episode nine recap, you mentioned how Hopper's bitching sword looked a lot like the one from Conan. Turns out it's the exact one. David Harbour confirmed it on his Instagram. How awesome is that? I know. So that is the literal sword that was used
3: in the Conan film. a solid
1: call. That was you, man. That's awesome. That's super dope. Uh, next point. A cool callback to season three, and maybe it proves that Vecna inhibited, Bill, inhabited Billy's body. Question marks is whenever Billy was ta- talking to the latest victim about to get their soul sucked out of them by the monster, he would say, don't be afraid. It'll be over soon. Stay still. And that's almost exactly what Vecna says to Max before he Vecna's her. Indeed. Yeah, it'll be over soon.
4: That's a good call, because he says that to Chrissy a couple times. Yeah. Uh, does he say it to Fred? I don't remember Fred as much. But but he, but he, but it, there is precedence that that is, a, that is a Vecna line. He just says, hey, it'll all be over soon. Don't worry. Yeah. And that's exactly what Billy was doing Join too. me. That's another good... Type of like, you know, if they're really trying to like sell this whole Vecna being in charge of everything, I think it's just brilliant retconning
1: more than anything. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. And then third bullet point I don't know how you guys feel towards the Emmys. I'm sure there's a winner in your midst. There oh, is. Oh, who's that? That would be me. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but I this- wrote the music for the show and Andy won the Emmys. <laughs> I'm, I don't know if I said it on the show, but I'm nominated for three. So there we go. Let's mm, go for Steve. yeah any of you that are a part of the Academy the the Emmys voting council (laughs) yes vote for me but the season split was strategically done in order
1: to get it in before the deadline for this year's awards that's what you guys are telling me about I'm confused and concerned as to how the last two episodes will factor in if they aren't this year's they will get will they get into next year's? I'm worried that they will get lost in what I'm assuming is an unprecedented year of television. Caleb, Sadie, MBB, Noah, Joe Quinn, Gatton deserve that recognition so bad, and I hope they get it. For the first half, I hope Jamie Campbell Jamie Campbell Bower is recognized because that monologue at the end of episode seven is some of the best acting I've seen maybe ever
4: seconds minutes hours days weeks,
1: weeks months. months years decades millennia apologies for the length please know your hard work does not go unnoticed your podcast is the perfect blend of fun insightfulness heart and just all-around
3: awesomeness thank you thank you thank you no thank you thank you amanda from wisconsin um there's a lot to unpack there uh as far as the emmys are concerned there is a ton of great television this year uh, and it is very possible that- and I'd just like to thank the academy yeah or whoever the me the M- yeah. the Emmy Academy I, I I really expect Sadie honestly to get some recognition I hope Caleb does um but just with the the sheer onslaught of cultural recognition that was the dear Billy episode um I would think I would think Sadie would get some recognition uh and hopefully uh the Effects crew. Does the Emmys do a
1: uh, ensemble cast thing? They do, right? Like a thousand percent that they would get nominated for that.
3: I don't know if they do, uh, now that I'm thinking about the it. The Emmys categories are definitely weird and I'm not as familiar with them as I am. I'm it's, definitely more of an Oscars guy. Emmys are, Emmys in and of themselves are definitely
4: geared more towards technical mm-hmm. work. Um, there's a ton of technical technical awards in the Emmys. You just don't see them on TV. Gotcha. Um, so I, I don't, if If there wasn't an ensemble, Emmy, I would not be surprised. But at the same time, if there were, I also would not be surprised because there are some random ass uh,
3: Emmy <laughs> categories. We call them <laughs> wheat totes, but we're all rooting for stranger things at the Emmys for sure. Steve, our next email comes in from Will from Toronto.
4: Will writes in I hope he's a sweet boy like our other Will buyers. Mm-hmm. Will writes in Hey Chris, Andy, Will! and Steve Will, Where's my, my boy? boy? Unfortunately, as I'm writing this I just checked and saw that you posted the mailbag episode so I'm a bit late Hopefully you'll do another one though <gasps> Good news! That's this one! You made it! Uh, we're here right now. We're here right now. We're doing, we're reading your thing right now. Uh, he continues. There's quite a lot of speculation about will coming out next season since it didn't happen this season. And I wanted to share a story that really hits home with everything that will is dealing with. I am bisexual and growing up. I fell in love with my best friend, just like will seeing him flirtish, Oh, I'm sorry. Seeing him flirt with girls and come to me with his girl problems hurt and made me feel isolated. And no one in the small town I grew up in, outside of Toronto, was open. I felt different from everyone else, but I knew I was. I but I knew who I was, and I knew that if I didn't share my feelings, it would hurt even more. So I finally mustered up the courage and told my best friend how I felt. It took him completely by surprise, and it ruined our friendship for many years after that. And it fucking sucked. Oh, that sucks, man. I'm really sorry to hear that. I hope this doesn't happen to our boy. Mike needs to be the best friend we all know he can be, even though he sucks most of the time. Lol. We are going. Uh, we are good now, and even laugh about it in retrospect. Relate. But I really relate to the personal journey Will is going through, and I think the Duffer Brothers will do him justice. It's amazing to see this type of character in a TV show. This type of representation matters, and I can't wait for season five eh anyway is that a canadian thing that was Canadian. I yeah. it was oh my god sorry if this was too long also if canada if canada had heath bars i'm sure i'd like them don't be bullied you guys justice for
1: andy we're not bullies leave me alone justice for heath we only bully andy <laughs>
3: that's different <laughs> <laughs>
4: It's different. Uh, but, well, hey, man, I, I I'm, thank you so much for sh- uh, sharing that uh, story with us. We, we've shared a couple of, of stories like this, um, but I thought this one was also important to include just because, you know, that is something that clearly he wrote from the heart from. It. I, and I really, I'm glad that you guys seemingly have, uh, uh, re, you know, gotten your friendship back together and you laugh about it. I, I'm, I'm happy that happened. But still, that's a, that's a shitty thing to have to go through yeah absolutely
1: i mean ultimately what you did was uh be yourself and express yourself and the only way that you knew how and especially being in a community where you felt like an outsider to suffer that kind of severe rejection had to have been extremely uh traumatic and formative but uh, it's wonderful that you were able to uh, put that behind you that your friend was able to recognize that situation for what it was
3: and continue to be your friend absolutely and hopefully Mike gets to that place uh, a lot sooner than your friend Yeah. Uh, because we think that Will uh, really deserves that and I think people need that message coming from the show it always breaks my heart when I hear stories like this because we've all
4: I assume everyone at this table right we've all had story, like situations where friends of ours have come out to us and I, I just don't know where you could be with a friend who does that and your immediate response is, is hatred and rejection Like I don't know
3: it's just a weird thing for me because Oh, I've never had a friend.
0: Um, tell me that they were.
3: Rom- yeah, I never had a friend. <laughs> tell me that they were romantically interested in me. I don't think not at that age. You know, I don't. That I don't know a, how I would have handled. That is it an important decision. as an adolescent. I don't think, but but like um, a friend coming out to you though, because there is yeah. there are a couple people
4: who have said like you know they've come out to people and they've. So, I, don't know, I don't know. It's a different different show, I guess, but I think it's an important thing. Like, I just just be cool to your friends and be supportive and just let them be themselves.
3: Yes, please do. Damn it, invite everybody in. Uh, but yeah, we we always love emails like this. Like Mary said, you know, uh, which we we try to make an effort to be inclusive. or At least we're very self aware uh, and want as many perspectives as possible. We appreciate that one very much. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, our next email comes in from Lily from St. Louis. Hey guys, I just finished listening to the first mailbag episode and wanted to send in my own thoughts. At the beginning of episode 8, when VH1 is showing Nancy what is going to come, there are shots of a clock moving counterclockwise along with shots of the gates opening in Hawkins. This just makes me think that there will be some kind of time traveling taking place in season 5. We also saw young Henry moving a clock backwards and never got any clear-cut explanation about it in this season. Additionally, the very first thing that Elle says in season four is, Dear Mike, today is day 185. Feels more like 10 years. Joyce says time is funny like that. Emotions can make it speed up or slow down. We are all time travelers if you think about it. This show loves to handle what is coming next. And with all the other hints of time travel, I felt like it, it is inevitable. Thanks. Um, I just wanted to include this email because I thought that, you know, we've been talking a lot about the time travel theories back and forth, yay and nay. But this was a really good tidbit with some evidence to back up like the habits that the Duffers have about foreshadowing. And uh, I just like shit. Can't deny that. I agree. They do be doing that. Uh, So very clever, Lily. Very clever. They do be doing it. They do. Duffers do be. It's going to be a shirt that I want to wear. Duffers do be offers to be doing that is it d-o-o-b-i-e with a picture of our yeah yeah man it's <laughs> exactly what i was that shirt would smack man <laughs> i wear that to shirt for boy pizza every day before we franchise and knock out Domino's. gotta get rid of dominoes <laughs> what if nina is like a little girl man <laughs> 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 she could be like hiding behind a tree i
4: love how every
3: argyle interaction devolves to what if nina's a little girl man with me every impression that i do hinges on the mastery of one phrase And I will always lean back on that if I feel like I'm drifting. Oh, sure. That's why I often fall back to terrible wounds. Terrible wound. (laughs) Uh, That's why I can only say like three things in a convincing Irish accent. And so I just. Top
4: of the morning to (laughs) you.
3: I'm tired. (laughs) Um, So I have to keep saying that kind of shit. tree. (laughs) Turty tree. I'm tired. I'm tired of saying dirty tree. That's all I can say. (laughs) Anywho, before we offend anyone else over the ocean, Andy has an email to read from Matt. The next email with comes two from t's.
1: Matt with two T's. <laughs> uh, we don't have a location. I'm going to assume it was from his iPhone. Matt writes, dear Chris, Andy, and Steve, and then says some very kind things about us. My question today deals with the minor, nemes- er, oh, minor nemesis of this season, namely Jason Carver, the cult leader slash basketball jock, and Angela from earlier in the season who got smacked in the face by Elle. You got so shmacked, man. First off, as the father of three girls, I cannot tell you how much the scene of scenes of Angela tormenting Eleven in those early episodes punched me in the gut. I found myself quite literally talking shit to her out loud <laughs> through the television. So we were doing the same, same. thing.
4: The,
1: <laughs> the Duffers did a fabulous job surfacing the dark side of bullying in those exchanges. My question slash gripe then is more of a narrative take. I feel that express, expressly because Jason and Angela's effect on Lucas, Nancy, and Eleven was so pronounced, so weighty, I am disappointed that neither villain neither villain, received the satisfying comeuppance I have been craving all season. Sure, Angela got whacked and Jason melted in half, but neither seemed to come around and realize the error of their ways before their exit from the show, which I felt was a missed opportunity for the series, or at least for the fans. But what's your take on these two characters? Why do you think the Duffer spent so much screen time building up these adversarial characters, particularly Jason, only for such swift, unsatisfying resolutions.
3: Uh, I, for one, Matt, understand what you're saying. Um, Now that I'm fairly certain from what the Duffers have said about season five, we will never see Angela again. I'm a little disappointed because as she was tormenting L, I I was really looking forward to her finding out she really does have powers in some way that would be really satisfying to me. That is one of my favorite things in all of TV or film. I've told Andy a thousand times. I've talked about it on the show. It usually takes the form of a character not thinking uh, our protagonist speaks a certain language and talking hella schmack about them and then finally revealing that they do speak that language uh, in some kind of like power uh, shift way. And I thought something like that would happen with Angela where she'd pick on 11 and she'd, you know, Tie her shoes together with her mind or something like that. But uh, and like reveal it to her, but only she saw it. I don't think they're gonna go back to California ever. It could
4: be like a post, like the end of the show. Like a stinger. Yeah. It could be like the one of the Lord of the Rings endings that they just do at the end of the scene.
3: Duffers, I know you listen to the show. We're literally fucking handing it to you on a platter right now.
4: (laughs) Tie her shoes. Not only is she like, yeah, bitch, I got power, she's also like, yeah, bitch, and my dad's alive. And he's a hero.
3: And if I, I saved the world. You're welcome. Michael. I know that made me so mad at her because it was our love for Hopper and Eleven combined that made Angela such a villain in that moment. And um, as sad as it
1: is, though, that's just how life works. Nine tenths of like the negative experiences you have in, have in life. You don't say the things that you can't come up with at a half hour later when you're driving home and you are think, God, I wish I had said that. You don't get those moments in real life. And so it's true to life. But, you know, we watch these shows to escape from that life. And we love to see that come up and happen and it is kind of a bummer we didn't get to see it especially with angela jason i feel like uh you know he got to see that at least there what he thought the plot that he thought was happening was much much bigger than he realized and so there was
3: something there somewhat yes angela just got smacked and disappeared smacked and disappeared i know that a lot of people felt very strongly about that scene in particular and i'm overstepping my which scene world experience when he charges up to the attic in the murder house and uh just the iconography, not iconography. The the visual uh, discomfort that it, you know put forth of a a you know white jock pulling a gun on a young black man. Um, all of that stuff. I know a lot of people, at least on the internet that I saw, were just very not comfortable with having that imagery and then not reckoning with it at all. Um, and I again, that's not my. I don't have the purview to be able to speak on that with any kind of authority other than to say, I can see that side of it for sure. Um, And I, so I could see, I don't think that's what Matt's getting at, but I could see like, they could have fleshed that out a lot more as far as yes, he did get ripped in half, but how can we like address, (laughs) I mean, he had all of this, like, (laughs) I just love how all of this comes with the, copy out of.
4: Well, he did get ripped in
3: half. <laughs> <laughs> like that hangover man he But you know it. what I mean? He had this like Hitler ability and all this like really charged imagery throughout his whole character through this entire season and then it's just like nah, fuck him. Which was is like, like massively underwhelming. Yeah, like part of it's like yeah, sure, definitely rip him in half and let's move on. But at the same time it's like oh, you're just going to breeze by all of this like horrible actual real world shit you're evoking with this person. Um, so in a way I agree with Matt on that. And to kill him off in a shot where you're panning away to something else. You know what I
1: mean? Like he wasn't his death. I didn't even see it. Remember? The mo- yeah. Yeah. yeah I yeah. was taking a note. His death was not the most important thing that was happening there. It was moving on to look at the gate and he was just like me on, on the <laughs> side. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it, it totally makes sense, especially when you talk about like the racial implications in the time period and the situation that was going down there to not uh Uh, Come to terms with that in a
3: more gratifying way is pretty disappointing. Agreed. So, thank you so much for writing that in, Matt. Our next email comes in uh, from Aaron A. Is that one of our patrons? I believe it is. Hi, patron. Aaron A writes in Hey, guys, the last time
4: I emailed you, I wrote a long email about some predictions or things I wanted to happen prior to volume two coming out. Thinking back on it now, and putting what we now know into perspective all that was stupid af <laughs> never again will i make predictions or shit like that i just hope <laughs> i just hope ted dies lol oh. speaking of ted the actor that plays him his name is joe crest is a certified badass check his imdb he has been recognized for his service in the cold war and for the expert marksmanship why couldn't the duffers use that for his shitty character (laughs) unless that's how he speaks next season or that's how he's fuck i can't read unless that's how he peaks next season i'm doing it again no predictions thanks for the pod boys and thanks for listening Thank you for listening. I'm uh, interested in how you get recognized
1: for service in the Cold War. is isn't the Cold War like known for? No real firefights going down. What what expert it was that
3: firefired
1: went down? I'm that? sure if you were just in the army and you did some cool shit. Yeah, I mean, I, the, absolutely,
3: there was service that was he did done. serve the country. But I understand what Andy's saying. There was no battle, right? No, no explicit battle. But we are very appreciative of his service. Um, I don't know how Ted could use his marksmanship. Maybe that's where Nancy gets I'm it.
4: Telling you, oh, that's I? where Nancy gets it.
3: <laughs> Fuck. That's great. She's natural with firearms, you know? Nancy, let I me actually show you wouldn't how to aim. I wouldn't begrudge that moment if there's some kind of tiny thing where we need fucking Ted to stand up, and he grabs a gun that Nancy had just had oh, or something, and some she's tiny like, thing. oh shit, Dad!" <laughs> you know, just that's all. That's all he deserves, he man. Like, he like
4: headshots six or seven Demogorgons, and Nancy's looking at him. He goes, "Where do you think you learned it from?" <laughs> and like yes. pops the round guys, out.
1: You're finally on my level.
4: Let's go. That's all I'm asking for. That's all I'm asking for. You know, now that I say this, Andy, I think Keith
3: bars are delicious. Right. What is this feeling? <laughs> Ted just stands up. I got three kids. You didn't think I knew how to lay it down? <laughs> of course I shoot my shot. <laughs> Uh, Our next email comes in from Ronnie. Hello, this is Ronnie. Hi, Ronnie. Hi, Ronnie. I'm a big fan of your podcast. Over the past month, I started listening to you guys from season four of Stranger Things. I just got one question. What was your favorite scene in Stranger Things season four? Let me know. Love you guys. It's a simple but effective question. It is very simple and effective. I love it. Um, Straight to the point. I feel really jealous right now. No offense to Ronnie, but like... Do you remember, I'm a nerd, so do you remember in school where everybody would take turns reading a paragraph and when it got to you, and you got a really small paragraph?
1: <laughs> You're reading the Bible, Jesus wept, moving on.
3: I would get a really small paragraph and I'd be like, God damn it, now I gotta go back to fucking Carl. <laughs> <laughs> but any um, uh, that's a tough one because there's no way I can get out of this question without saying something cliche. Because without a doubt, my favorite moment, my favorite scene, is the Kate Bush moment of Max running toward the gate uh, while uh, Vecna's lair is falling around her to try to stop her. Um, like I said, that's corny. That's what everybody's answer is probably going to be. Either that or Master of Puppets. In it, and, and I can't come up with anything clever. Uh, I just that I was crying so hard it's funny to look back i'm gonna tell this quick i swear tiny short story if you guys remember if you've listened to us through the entirety of season four we all watched the episodes together and then record each episode right afterward but we took a break after episode three to go home and sleep for a few hours and in that break where we slept for a few hours i was a piece of shit and i watched episode four without steve and andy and then came back and watched it again with them And it's funny to me that that's the episode I watched without them because my wife had already binged all of volume one. And I got home and this is what made me cheat on my friends. (laughs) She was like, oh, my God, you guys watch episode four. And I was like, no, we got to watch it in a few hours. I'm just going to take a nap. And she said, oh, that's a good one. That's all she said. And I'm like walking up the stairs like, is it a good God one? damn it. Is it a good one?
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> what do you mean? It's a good one, man. I got all Argyle on her. Uh, but I remember sitting in my bedroom upstairs by myself watching this like, this is a fucking good one, man. I wish my <laughs> friends were here. <laughs> oh you
1: missed us I did uh, you're sitting there with the Visine while we're watching it like pretending to
3: cry <laughs> <laughs> well, what was cool about me having already seen it once is that's the one where I was like noticing all these cool camera angles and stuff that I had time to notice yeah because usually when we're when we do our
4: cold watches we're like furiously scribbling notes we're paying attention to plot so sometimes you can like lose sight of you
3: know some the of the cool technical aspects or yeah, yeah, see would-
1: massive characters get
3: burnt in half yeah i Sometimes didn't even see just, that at all just miss that shit yeah <laughs> but yeah i mean that that's got to be my favorite uh scene andy what do you think your favorite scene is uh with a bullet uh
1: it's gonna be the master puppet sequence with uh eddie uh rocking out and
3: playing the <laughs> greatest concert most metal concert on earth i believe is how they described it it's definitely the best oh you weren't here for the last mailbag andy mm. that's your favorite scene how the fuck did he get any electricity to that amplifier Um, well, there was a gate
1: to the normal world that I already tried the extension cord six feet away. You think so? Like that, that is what I would go with. Yeah, I mean, why not? Or maybe he had a little generator.
3: Generators were a thing in the eighties. I'm not in the eighties; they this. still exist. I'm not, I, right. I'm this just This motherfucker saying. said generators were a thing in the eighties. No, I, I didn't I did mean that like that was Y'all a fucking ego. I'm
1: just saying like they existed by then. I just didn't want to pull like an internet. Oh, thing okay. I get like, it. I get it. Again. Well, the, did the internet exist in the eighties? Yeah, you know,
3: you're right. You're which right.
1: Definitely, generators existed in the eighties. So I know what that you Could have been a thing. You're right.
3: I thought uh, you were saying they were cool in the eighties, but nobody. And then. <laughs> also uh i'm I'm just going to uh throw in a little uh steve Uh laughed at me when i said extension cord and you made it sound all obvious and convincing sure yeah oh I laughed at andy too he was you were just looking at each other
1: Uh, but uh, my honorable mention is going to be the sequence at uh, Susie's house
3: with Cornelius Ooh, good pool. screaming uh, and flipping the breakers and shooting Mike with a bone. Episode arrow. 6 is slept on with yeah, the majesty of 9 and 4. It is mm-hmm. such a funny episode and it's the most fun and probably my favorite episode. Of and Max through the binoculars at Harry Steve. Yeah. yeah. just stay. Let me see. That's one of the funniest, funniest <laughs> moments in television <laughs> ever. Oh for sure. I love that episode. Steve what's your favorite scene?
4: Uh, my favorite scene is uh, the the end of uh chapter seven the master of hawkins lab i love the confrontation between one and 11 in the rainbow room uh i don't know there's something about uh, just being able to kind of get these answers as to who fechna is and it's this really really well done plot twist that kind of converges like three separate plots yeah. together that i wasn't really expecting or i didn't anticipate that happening and they did it so well and the performances are great and i and you know who did anticipate
3: it this me guy, baby me that guy
4: uh, and i'm a sucker for anything that's like 11 being 11 and doing her 11 power shit like true you know every season happens where i'm like i you know i like 11 but i'm not feeling your story and then she does this cool shit i'm like fuck 11's so cool god i want to be her when i grow up <laughs> dr brenner what was your
3: favorite moment of uh, season four it's when i forced the children to fight yeah. <laughs> you know what i thought i could see that one coming but i just had to make sure
4: oh you know i you know i'm consistent if nothing else i wake up every morning i do a crossword puzzle and i make children fight
3: that's <laughs> true you are very reliable uh, a,
4: a distant second is the one i get when i got shot
3: really yeah why did you like that so much it helped me feel again <laughs> <laughs> all right we'll go back to nina we'll, we'll call you later bye Andy, read our next email, which comes in from Joe. The next email from Joe. Joe writes in, thanks, guys, for
1: your podcast. My wife and I, both both late 80s babies and huge Stranger Things. Wow, those are old babies. Late
4: 80s babies.
1: (laughs) Babies in their late 80s. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and huge Stranger Things fans enjoyed listening to your Chapter 9 recap on our way to the shore this holiday weekend. However, we were absolutely gobsmacked by your statement in the recap that the D&D game at the beginning of the season didn't foreshadow the course of the season. Oh, this is a good email. Gobsmacked. It really did. And as I exclaimed below, this statement on your part was a miss. Quote, I, unquote. I love how he's writing it out like uh, an essay in school where it's like you, you make your little summary at the beginning, you establish what your argument's going to be, and then you back it up. Mm-hmm. And And he's going to recap at the end. That's the thesis. He's going to be like, in in summary. (laughs) (laughs) Joe's a professional, man. So Joe writes, during the huddle, when Eric and Dustin are the only players left on the battlefield, Eddie counsels, there is no shame in running. He then states, don't try to be heroes. Steve uses the latter phrase to admonish Dustin and Eddie before they take on the bats. A clear reference to the Crystal Bats in the Dark Crystal, by the way, which you guys missed in your egos. The former phrase, no shame in running, defines (laughs) Eddie's character arc and fate. First, when he runs from Chrissy, getting Vecna'd, and finally, when he decides not to run away from the Demobats and to be a hero. Dustin and Erica's dice roll in the D&D game are also foreshadowing. Dustin first rolls an 11, to which Eddie announces, with genuine relish, shaking his rocker hair, that's a miss. So Dustin's dice roll clearly foreshadows 11 missing in her first attempt to take out Vecna, which is what happened in the Season 4 finale. Erica then rolls a 20, a crit hit that kills Vecna. So I think we can expect in Season 5 that the gang is going to land a critical hit against Vecna, hopefully killing him once and for all. What well, the 20 signifies, who can say? Keep up the good work. Looking forward to listening further. And then he writes in some awesome egos. But uh, what do you guys think about that?
3: I thought this was brilliant. And I'm going to combine this with another email that we got that I don't think we're reading. I'm not sure. Uh, I think it was an email. But have you guys heard this theory about like, I'm trying to make sure that Joe didn't just do this and I don't pull the thing that I do to Steve all the time where I'm like, have you guys heard about this? And Steve's like, I literally just fucking said that. Uh, <laughs> but no, this is brilliant. You're right on all the stuff that we missed, but I heard somebody say that the to explain the 20, because Joe says what the 20 signifies who can say. So check this out guys. So 11 plus eight Kali is 19 plus one Vecna equals 20, Whoa. signifying maybe a bigger bed than Vecna that all three of them team up to defeat. If the Duffers actually fucking did that, I would shit my pants. Pants would be Shat. Shat. That's, Shatner. That's really good. Hardly know it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just want to throw that out there. But yeah, everything that Joe writes is, is great. And he's hundred percent correct on Dude, things that we've All we missed. of
1: the foreshadowing
3: that's yeah. Because I did yada 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 the foreshadowing of the D and D game and there's been so many like smart Breakdowns of how much the D and D game did in fact foreshadow. Like we talked about it a little bit. How you did. You know, you guys went into it after I was like, I don't think it even worked. Yeah. Uh, I did not catch like the it's okay to run stuff. That's actually extremely good foreshadowing. Yeah, I respect the call out on that. Yeah. Well, for one thing, we haven't gone back and rewatched episode one at all. Any of us, and I bet a lot of these people have. I haven't rewatched any of them yet. I haven't well, I saw any. four twice, and I saw nine twice. Oh, okay.
4: Yeah, I've I've seen – I think I've seen – actually, I, th- I have seen one twice. I've seen one for, uh seven,
3: yeah, and seven twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, tons of good stuff, Joe, and uh, you're right that there was a ton there. Um, keep up the good work, Joe. <laughs> this next email comes in from Stephanie, and it'll be read by our very own Steve. That's me. Stephanie
4: writes – it's That's only me. It's only appropriate that Stephen reads for Stephanie because we're just like – We share that namesake, you know, the Stephs. Her name is basically Mm Stephanie. That's true. Or I like to think of my name as as just Stephanie, just with less steps. Uh, (laughs) She's cooler than I am. That's what I'm getting at. (laughs) I see it. (laughs) Uh, Stephanie writes, hey, guys, love your show and all the great insights and tidbits. I know a lot of time has been devoted to the death of Marty B and the moment Eleven says goodbye. Rightfully so. One thing I felt was missing from earlier takes on that scene was its developmental significance for L. I may be projecting a bit, and I know we all love to hate Dr. B, who was a bad dude. I'm really glad he didn't survive season four. Did we see him actually die, though? Hmm. That's a good point. We thought he was dead before. Uh, she continues, but what really struck me was, Was the significance of l's level up in that moment up to this point she has just run away from him which was important in itself and has her fragmented memories and flashbacks but this time she chose to stay and dig into her past answer those questions and ultimately move toward an integrated complete self in contrast to papa l is presented with opportunities to assert agency and choice along the way by other characters Friendship with Max and then an adult who empowers her for who she is in Owens and also Hopper, I would say. Sure. So much of her, much of her life at this point has been in reaction to or alignment with Dr. B. But as we build to the scene, she has grown into prioritizing her needs over his priorities. This culminates in her, in their interaction as he is dying. He tries to assert his needs to get something from her again so he can have peace and that it's not that she spites him. It's It seemed more to me that she saw the complexity of the situation, but chose herself and the truth of their history, and the side of that probably felt like a rejection to Papa, but I think the true motive was really to honor her new self and the full truth that her story involved abuse by him, and it's not her job to supply him with what his ego needs anymore." I know this is subtle, but feels really powerful to me. She wasn't punishing Papa. She was honoring herself. I loved it. As a person who is healing after abusive relationships, it's really res- or it really resonated deeply. Keep up the awesome work. I think you guys are hilarious. Well, thank you so mm-hmm. much, Stephanie. Uh, I think this is a very important point that she's making, and I think it's yes. 100% true and actually. Yes.
3: I didn't take it that at all, that she was being petty toward Dr. Brenner. It was just a, a growth for her character. He didn't deserve to feel better, and it wasn't on her to... Uh, ease his passing. Do you know what I mean? That's not on yeah. the victim to to make the the abuser feel better mm-hmm. at all. Right. Um, and it's I, easy to look through that, look at the outcome of that scene as
1: through the lens of the victim of it, which is uh, his death. Not not that Dr. Brenner was a victim, but that he, he was the one that yeah, he's the one died. currently
4: dying. Right. Yeah.
1: But it's so it's easy to look at it through the lens of, oh, he got his comeuppance as opposed to, oh, she got to be herself in that moment. And uh, I, I respect to have a listener right in and you know, look at it from that point of, point of view, because that's
3: ultimately the view that matters. Hondo percento. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. And uh, I think it's cool Counter too that point. I've heard. uh <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I just really wanted to forgive me. Yeah. Well, get back in Nina. All right. You've done too much, but Matthew Modine has spoken out. um, I think a lot of what happened with his character in this season was due to him. He'd kind of, uh, I forget the interview entirely, but it was like he came to the Duffers and was actually kind of hurt the way that people were treating him on the street and stuff because he was like this big villain and and, and he, he came up to the Duffers and he was like, you know, I think there's a lot more. To this character than simply uh, or whatever he said, and uh, I just think that's I interesting. Do, I'm
4: into more things than children fighting psychically. Mm-hmm. I, for for example, Nina, mm-hmm. I'm I'm a jacuzzi enthusiast, a jacuzzi <laughs> <A> jacuzziest, <laughs> a jacuzziist. He's on set. He's
1: reading the script. He's like, mm.
4: Doctor Brenner
3: walks off stage. No, I don't think I do <laughs> Yeah, he's the Andy of Stranger Things. <laughs> Our next email comes from Shay, another patron, right? Long time patron, Shay. Long time. She's Early been an OG. Adopter. Yeah, Grassroots. She... Grassroots
4: movement. She joined the movement. <laughs> I'm once again asking you to put respect on Shay's name.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And Shay writes, I love listening to both volume two episodes for Stranger Things. I was so excited to hear y'all's reactions. She says a lot of great things. And then she says, I'm not sure if y'all had read anything about this. I believe the Duffers talked about it somewhere, about how Eddie's character was largely inspired by the West Memphis Three. The three teens who were into hard rock, metal, etc. From rural Arkansas, who got convicted of killing three kids, dying... uh, Uh, during the height of the satanic panic their trial used their love of Metallica and rock music as evidence of satanic worship, despite having no actual evidence. And the main guy of the three was given the death penalty. He was not put to death. If you don't know more about it, you should look it up. (laughs) I like that too. Mm -hmm. Just fucking Google it. The case is still ongoing and the bullshit is still open to plenty. Uh, I believe his name was Damian Eccles. I have looked it up and he ended up getting out and living with uh, Peter Jackson, director of Lord of the Rings in his apartment in New York for a while because they were working on like a documentary about it. Hey
4: man, you ever heard of Lord of the Rings? <laughs> That's
3: a pretty, pretty cool movie I made. <laughs> anyway, my point being that they were also poor kids who lived in trailer parks and were ostracized by their community. They got blamed for murders they didn't commit very much like Eddie. We had another listener named Cody who goes into this into a lot more detail. Uh, some of the details I was just talking about and he writes, Eddie is based on a man named Damian Eccles, a man who was wrongly convicted along with two friends, Jason Baldwin and Jesse Miskeley. In the 1990 93 murders of three eight-year-old boys in West Memphis, Arkansas. Eccles uh, Eccles was 18 when he was arrested. Baldwin was 16 and Miskely was 17. Uh, By the way, now I'll talk about that later. Attaching an article that goes into further depth, but here's an excerpt about Eccles, Baldwin and Miskely. The teens were described as social outcasts who like metal music and their controversial trial focused on Eccles's interest in paganism and Stephen King books. (gasps) The apparent satanic panic. A fear in the 1980s and 90s that Satanism was running rampant in society, element of the case was a central focus of the documentary series, and questions about the teen's convictions grew louder. Eccles spent 18 years in prison and really only got out because a ton of celebrities became interested in his case and made a lot of noise. I, too, am disappointed that Eddie ended up being another lovable character who was introduced to us and then ripped away from us. But I think the writers wrote themselves into a corner with him. He had to die a heroic death. If he hadn't, he would have returned to Hawkins, where he would have been crucified by the town and wrongly convicted for crimes he didn't commit. A late almost a fate almost worse than death. Unfortunately, I don't think there was any other way around it. It's not like they were going to have season five of Stranger Things be a courtroom drama, though I'd certainly watch that. Uh, Very good email, Cody. I think I've stolen bits of it throughout this last two mailbags because I read it and it stuck with me so much. And also, thank you so much to Shay. A ton of people wrote in about the West Memphis three. uh, And it's a huge thing that we missed in our initial recap of the show. I, for one, didn't know anything about it. Yes. Normie. Yeah. Uh, Who's Normie? uh, we have another email from abby read by the wonderful andy abby writes in dear andy chris and steve i love
1: that she put me up front let's go yeah yeah I found you guys at an interesting time in my life. I just finished part one of season four and my mind was blown with nobody to discuss it with and that's when I found you guys. It has seriously been so comforting insightful and wonderful to be be able to hear three friends discuss Stranger Things in the way you guys do with so much humor and knowledge. Eventually my friends and family began trickling in to watch but you three will forever be who I want to discuss the series the most with and for that I thank you. And then she goes on and says a whole lot of awesome stuff but then she follows up. I looked up on The bio of Vecna in Dungeons and Dragons lore, finding some interesting details that relate to the show. One of his names is Master of the Spider Throne, and that Vecna believed that every being in existence held a single secret that could be manipulated to bring about its destruction uncovering that secret and exploiting its truth were the key to gaining dominion over others. The show seems to have taken that idea of secrets and related it to the traumas, guilt, and overall mental health issues that individuals secretly hold onto. Truly fascinating. The whole mental health aspect this season was so powerful to me, and the iconic scene with Max and running up that hill may well be my fave scene of all time, showing the power of music and friendship to overcome our inner battles. P.S. Really hoping that Chrissy and Eddie are together in some beautiful kind of afterlife. They were the cutest, and a cheerleader and metalhead are the relationship goals I didn't know I needed. See, seeing really great couples Halloween custom costumes for that Or mm-hmm. Jesus seeing really great couples halloween costumes to come from that and then a little hard emoticon
4: oh well Aww. i agree they are a cute little couple and they had a lot of chemistry in that one scene they had oh, i know yeah. i did read where they uh the
1: duffers were super bummed uh they didn't know how much chemistry was there until after it was all over and everything was already planned and it's like Shit. yeah we, we, we could have kept her around for a little bit yeah. and uh explored that more
4: have you guys seen the alarm clock that the alarm clock song that people have yes.
1: made. Uh, it
3: was Chrissy, it was, wake up! I don't like this, Chrissy, wake I up! I want to make that my ringtone so bad because my <laughs> name is Chris. And this is streaming things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my name is Andy. <laughs> we just, were on. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, I thought that was a great email, and they they did pull so many good things from D and D lore. And uh, it's really impressive, like the the inspiration that they clearly took from that. And you're right that that mental health has been a huge, wonderful theme throughout this season. And part of the reason that it's my favorite Stranger Things season of all time, because um, I think it's such an important topic. Um, but yeah, great email. Thank you so much. And that brings us to our last mailbag email, and that comes in from Angela from Vancouver, read by Steve. Angela writes in, Hey guys, first off, I
4: just wanted to say thank you for your hilarious banter and insightful analysis. Suddenly hearing Dr. Brenner always makes me laugh out loud. And now Argyle has joined the podcast. Wow! After re-watching the last two episodes of Volume 4 a few times and sobbing just as hard every time, I noticed a couple other moments that are callbackslash slash a continuation of the love letter to Stranger Things. First, when Nancy, Robin, and Steve are going up the stairs in Vecna's house and are jumping around all the vines, Steve reaches the... Steve reaches the landing first and quickly spins his flashlight and holsters holsters it in his jeans before reaching back to help Robin and Nancy. It's the same move he does when he spins and holsters the ice cream scoops at Scoops Ahoy in Season 3. That's a good, that's a good. That is a good pull. Good eye. The other callback was actually in episode eight, Papa, when Lucas asks Max if the memory she has in mind is one that he is in. And she says that's presumptuous of him. This mirrors the moment when Lucas and Dustin invite her to come trick or Invite her to come trick-or-treating back in season two. And she says it's presumptuous of them to think she would want to come at all. I'm sure there are other moments. I keep noticing more details on each rewatch. Keep up the good work. P.S. Even though you blew it with CNN, you still have some fans (laughs) up here. Throwing some shade at Chris.
3: God damn. Hey, turns out in the long run, they blew it who's bigger now streaming things or cnn yeah. whoever that is yeah <laughs>
4: you hear this cnn this could have been yours yeah
3: but you yeah. lost that chance all because chris said a boot i didn't mean it i didn't think they were real <laughs> i thought they were some scam artist i really wanted to have put- we told that story recently I think we told it this season, right? But for, for listeners know. that don't know, at the beginning of season three, we were kind of a bigger Stranger Things podcast. Nowhere near what we are now. Yeah, nowhere near... But we were, well, I guess apparently something, but not enough to where, I guess I had like podcast dysmorphia and you know, or <laughs> imposter syndrome, because we got an email from a news network in Canada that wanted us to be on like the primetime news to explain stranger things to people. Uh, and I read the email and laughed about it and said, what is this all about? And, and the reply and sent it back to them.
1: <laughs> what about Brian Adams?
4: <laughs> <And we> con- <laughs> the Canadian government has already apologized. That.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and we continued watching season three and laughing. And then finally it's something weird in my brain told me to look back into it and I googled the lady that was the email was supposedly from uh, and it was a very well known news anchor in Canada and I was like oh shit oh shit and I emailed him back and actually we're available and she said the, the it's fine but we're, we're all booked and uh, of course they were and I was like damn it <laughs> we- and no one's invited us to anything like that since <laughs> is the funny ending to that story <laughs> wah, 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 wah. I really do like the uh, presumptuous
4: callback. Yeah, it's really something good. I had forgotten about, but so, yeah, very good call.
3: And it sucks because like there's so many other things we want to cover and so many movies I need to watch and all that stuff. So I haven't watched it uh, all the way through again, but I'm really looking forward to doing it. And it's such a big, long season, so it's tough. But I'm sure that there's tons of details like that that I'm going to love if i have like not so worried about the plot and trying to find them, you know, and uh, I'm looking forward to that. But I haven't done it yet. Uh, so thank you so much to all of, again, this was from hundreds and hundreds of emails. Uh, many, many, many of them were wonderful. We read every single one of them. We love them. Continue to do that right in anytime to streamingthingspod at gmail.com. I do have one thing I want to do. And Steve, you can remove this from the show if you like. If you would give me the phone thing, uh, I think you in particular will appreciate this deep cut thing that may or may not be true because it involves music knowledge that I don't have. Uh, but it's pretty neat.
0: I want to point out a little easter egg in Stranger Things season 4 volume 2, and I haven't seen anyone else talk about this yet, so if you haven't seen it, spoilers ahead. Duffer Brothers literally told us what's going to happen to Max in episode 4. So I watched Stranger Things with my parents. Both of them are huge Kate Bush fans, like we literally have the vinyls sitting down in our basement. This is the album Hounds of Love, and Running Up That Hill is obviously the song that Max listens to to escape Vecna. But I specifically remember my dad telling me this when I was a little girl. He would say, Tori, this album is actually really cool. It's a story concept album all about a girl who falls into a coma. Whoa. How did we not see this coming? And if you listen to the entire Hounds of Love album, it explains from when she falls into the coma while she's in it and when she wakes up. So is this Kate Bush album, Hounds of Love, telling us what's going to happen to Max in season five? I think there's two songs from when she's in the coma and wakes up that's going to correlate with Max in season five. Number one is Waking the Witch. Listen to it. And the second song is Hello Earth. And I think this is kind of going to be like when Max wakes up. Anyway, guys. Yeah. So the Duffer Brothers literally told us that Max was going to be in coma since the start.
3: So that was TikTok user at pinks.mom. I want to credit her for her wonderful catch. uh uh, what do you guys think about that steve have you heard those two songs that she talked about at the end there i'm sure i've had i can't place them because i know you're a kate bush fan and i you know i'm one of the the people that didn't even really know much about kate bush (laughs) at all before stranger things so when i watched that tiktok i was like holy shit
4: we did we did get someone emailed us and they actually broke down track by track like this song relates to this this song relates to that oh yeah it was a very very long email that's why we didn't include it because i didn't know how we could read it uh, and, and give enough um, oxygen to all the other emails that were coming in. But someone did point that. One of our listeners pointed that out to us and actually broke it down. So if you get a minute, uh, the two of you guys, you should check that email out. It's really good. Okay,
1: I feel yeah. like the song title, Waken the Witch, is pretty uh, you know, ominous and foreshadowing.
3: Yeah, I some, wish I had heard those songs. And yeah. I, I know that the video was getting long, but it's kind of funny. She's like, it tells you everything that's probably going to happen in season five. <laughs> Go listen to those songs. And I was like, <laughs> no, tell me. I, don't, <laughs> I, I mean, I do want to, but I also like... You know, that's homework.
1: Probably not gonna. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna go home like, Master! Master!
4: <laughs> I'll turn that album on. Ever since Stranger Things, I've been listening to uh, Running Up That Hill, obviously, but also Withering Heights, which is my other favorite Kate Bush song. I need to listen to more Kate Bush. I've just been playing Running
3: Up That Hill. But I, over over. I
4: haven't listened to the full album maybe ever uh, I've missed that. I haven't like done that five,
3: yeah. since the early aughts. I, literally, I used to listen to music as the activity. Like I would lay in my bed, put on headphones, and listen to an album from start to finish, mm-hmm. never skip a track, and just lay there, not fall asleep, and just fucking actively listen to it, you know? Yep. Uh, and pick out like individual instruments. And I, no, I don't do that anymore. It's <laughs> the soundtrack to multiple other activities at best, always. And a lot of times nowadays, I'll put on a podcast instead of music. Yeah. I've become a savage, a consumer of nothing but content.
1: I'm crazy. I find a song that I love and I will listen to it on repeat until it is dead to me and I pick it apart nonstop. I can't help myself. That's just how I rock. But uh, I always feel like and I also habitually listen to music way too loud in my car. And so likely people around me can hear the music. (laughs) And it's like I heard something really
3: cool. Start the song over. And I get to that party and I was like, oh, that was really cool. Started over (laughs) again. They're like, what is wrong with this guy? (laughs) My wife's the worst, man. She jams. Like I can hear her. Uh, I listen to the TV very loud and I have expensive surround sound equipment and stuff because I'm bad with money. And (laughs) I'm, I'm like watching Stranger Things or whatever. And when she pulls up in her Honda Civic outside through the glass the doors are shut and my tv blaring. i can hear her radio with her windows up in her car i get
1: knocked down <laughs> <in. laughs>
3: yeah it's always chumba every time it's weird <laughs> uh yeah but anyway again thank you so much to all of our uh intelligent lovely kind listeners keep writing in and uh, keep being you. Stay classy, San Diego. That's all the time we have for right now. Go fuck yourself. Can't for our man. He'll <laughs> <laughs> read whatever's on the teleprompter. Steve, what kind of madness did we create with this week's Mad Lib? Well,
4: let's find out with this week's episode of Mad Libs titled Sister. After a long lime scooter ride to Chicago... <laughs> Should that had to be have alone. cost so much fucking yeah, money. Keep retin'
3: them every 300 feet.
4: Eleven had finally found her trash. <laughs> Callie! Hey. Callie or 14.2, as it read her <laughs> laboratory tattoo. The two hadn't seen each other since their days in the magenta room as kids, mm. but their bond as apricots was unbreakable. <laughs> Eleven learned that Callie had a musty gift just like her. No. (laughs) She could make people bless things with her mind. To demonstrate, she opened her femur and revealed a beautiful lemur. Callie used her catacombs for revenge. She and her group of fellow floppy disks went after ex-pharmacists from Hawkins' lab and she asked Eleven to join her. Callie then show, showed Elle how to tease her pain into power by reminding her of all the danger coagulating inside her. It had worked then, but during the mission, L knew something wasn't tarnished. She loved her universe, but her real home was in Hawkins. And although she wanted to blather the confusing men, just like Callie, she knew that her powers were for saving her friends. And thus concludes Sister. Old 14.2, trusty friend. <laughs> I want to blather those confusing men. I want to open my femur to reveal a beautiful lemur. <laughs> he opened her
3: femur to reveal a beautiful lemur. that became Dr. Seuss. Yeah. There's some good ones in there. I like this one. Uh, that's all the time we have for right now. My name is Chris. I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. And this was Streaming Things. Happy streaming. Chris is going to read the patrons, and I'm going to tell him to thank you hard. I'm going to do it as Chris from Stranger Things, streaming things. What a novel concept. But hard. (laughs) Yeah. Hold on one second. (laughs) (laughs) That's him getting hard. Thank you to the patrons. A. Wells. Thank you. Aaron A. Thank you. Aaron A. Tell them how much we like them. That's a different Aaron. That's a double R. The first one was a double A. Aaron B. Aaron K. Aaron L. There's so many Aarons. Adam C. Adam R. Amanda. Amelia. Andrew. Yeah. Andy. Yeah. Angela. Yeah. Annie. Harder. Annie H. Harder. (laughs) Ariana. (laughs) Ashley. Brenda. Brittany S. Cake. Thank you, Cake. Carlo. Carmelita. Casey. Yeah. Katarina. Thank them. Chloe Cody Cryptoholic. Fill them with Mirth. Daniel, David E. Lopez. All the Murph. Emily, Enza, Erica, Irvin, Gavin, Glenn, Hannah. I sound like I'm mad at them. I know it does. (laughs) Jacqueline, come here right now. (laughs) Jacob. Jade. Yeah, thank
4: you. Jared. You're so generous, Jared. Jeanette. You too, Jeanette. AJ.
3: Jenny, Jessica, Jimmy, Joel. You're my favorites. Joel D. I lied. You're all my favorites. John M. John R. Jordan, Josh Jungle, Alicia, Katarina, Katie, Kayla, Kelsey, Carrie, Kevin, Kiki, Kimberly, Kyle, Lady, Pres, Lee, Lisa, Marcus, Michelle, he's doing Mike, it. Mandy, Monique, Nick, Orion, it. Paola. He's going the distance. Phil, Reese, the Reed there. family, Robin, Samantha S, Sandra, he's, he's Sandra he's A, it. Sarah C, God. Stephanie, Stephen oh V, Tara, Toby, Thomas J, Thomas uh-huh. V, Tyler, and fucking Zach. Uh-huh. He did
4: it.
3: I need a sandwich. Thank you. Step I, I by step so day by day. Is
1: that the running up the hill song? I actually have not run back
3: and listened to that song. <laughs> <laughs> is
4: that the running up that hill song? <laughs> Andy I fucking love you.
3: Why? I just sang the theme song to Step by Step the sitcom from the early nineties <laughs> and you said is that the running up that hill song?
1: Well it makes sense because it's so much There's
3: not steps on hills, there's steps on stairs.